This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 82, Comic Talk. Welcome once again to Comic Shenanigans. This is uh, Adam Chapman here with my special co-host. Paul Scorez. And today we're doing some comic talk. Uh, so as we record this, this is what, uh, May 26th, so we're just going to talk about some more recent things that have come up both in comics and comics related media, I guess. Um, and we haven't had a chance to talk about a lot of comic stuff recently, so this will be a good catch up. Um, so the first thing I wanted to talk about was Age of Ultron, because obviously this is the big Marvel event that's been happening. Absolutely. And uh, before before the podcast, and I, I know we try to keep everything too limited to the podcast if possible and not ruin stuff, but we did end up talking about it, a little bit about it, all Age of Ultron. Uh, so as an event so far, you're enjoying it. Is yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Now what about it has have you been enjoying? Um, I guess I've been captured by the story. It's, it's a book I'm looking forward to reading. Um, it has gained my interest. I'm not reading it going, oh my god, like, end this thing. I've already shoot me in the face. Like, you know, we've had... Like Fear Itself? Like Fear Itself. Horrendous event. Okay. That, that was. Um, well, again, Fear Itself didn't interest me, right? I okay. read it. I'm, I'm reading these books. I'm reading some various times. And I go, I, I'm, I'm failing to see mm. anything here. To be fair, it didn't interest most people. Although, I, when I look back at it, I, th- I can't remember who mentioned it. I think it was on a, one of the Heroclix podcasts, uh, Tom, who's also a listener. He, uh, he talked about how, in a lot of ways, Fear Itself worked as uh, the type of thing you do as a Heroclix event. And it would actually work as a video game. Because it's very much set up as mini boss battles. You know, you have a few heroes and they go up against this supercharged... Like, first, uh, like a regular supervillain, maybe, and then he supercharges up. Mm-hmm. Which happens in, like... It, actually, if you look at it as Shadow Dimensions, it's basically taking that same formula where you have the character and now they're amped mm-hmm. up by the, you know, the Tablet of Time or whatever and now they're more powerful and then you've got to go up against them. That's what it felt like. Now, as a comic event, it doesn't really work. But in other media, mm-hmm. I think actually would, would work better. True. Uh, the biggest problem with Fear itself was that, I, in my opinion, was that you had all these great things happen all these great ideas where you had these powered up villains with these weapons and you eventually had powered up heroes with these weapons and that that fight was two panels on a splash page yes, you it know was, we yeah. finally got to that point of it which was a real letdown um so i just didn't i they had some really cool pieces i didn't think everything played well together okay i can use that as an analogy but you're really enjoying how these uh, how the story is being told yeah, it's it's been it's been good. I, I know you have issues with Venice's slow burn stuff, like taking a, a long while to get his yeah. point across, and I can understand that. Um, but I think it's been really intriguing. I haven't felt that even the tie-ins, most of them have been uh, a, a decent read. Only one I can see is a complete waste at this moment. Yeah. Depending if they do something with that character later in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things, maybe it'll show some relevance. Yeah, I do have to admit that this has been one of those few events where I feel Marvel was incredibly restrained. Like they they really barely did any time, which is beautiful. There's only been a handful, and the fact yeah. that like I mean um, I like collected editions a lot, and they've already advanced listed the hardcover and has everything in one volume because there's just not a lot to cover, which is. A nice breath of breath of fresh air because you have events like AVX where it takes over like what six or seven months, mm-hmm. and so you just have so much to go through. I mean, the fact that you can have giant compendiums is a real strain on the wallet, and you want to be able to excuse me enjoy the full event. So it, it is interesting that they've been able to hold back. That being said, we're gearing up for Infinity, which is going to have a lot of tie-ins in every book. 
that says Avengers, which these days is a hell of a lot of books. So maybe that's why they're kind of like, well, we know that we're going to have something even bigger coming. And it it almost makes it feel that Age of Ultron was this redheaded stepchild that it used to be the favored child, but all these other children came that were more interesting because this other child wasn't, wasn't progressing that wasn't maturing because Brian Hitch was too slow or whatever the reasons were. Like it was gestating for, what, two or three years. So by the time it finally comes out, they hurry it out the door. They do, what, two issues a month, if not more. And then we're already getting the next one because they're more excited about the next kid. This kid just <laughs> happened. And then they're kind of like, okay, go to school. You know, we're done with this one. We're more excited about what comes next. And it feels like that and how they're... Like the, that, the fact that there aren't any tie-ins, I appreciate it, but I'm sure that that wasn't... Uh, like a like a great business move. They're probably more like we don't we know that they don't like too many events. We have a much bigger one coming. Let's scale it back. True, but we've gotten a handful of meaningful ones because of it, right? This when is you true. when you tend to go out into the world of the universe, <laughs> yeah. it is Marvel or DC, and you smother the the event with tie-ins. How many of them have any relevance? At all, hmm. right? So if, if you can make it a story that applies to so, in some way to the bigger picture um, or something that's teased in the main book that you can see more of in a side book, I'm all for that. But a random one-off of some random thing that doesn't matter way off in the corner yeah. that if I didn't read it, it, it wouldn't affect me. I didn't waste $5 or $4 buying the book. Yeah. Like, I don't need that stuff. I give some credit to AVX, actually, for that then. Because for the most part, I mean, you were changing the... Avengers or X-Men related worlds so the fact that every book did tie in and had impacts some of them weren't as good but at, at, at the same time like I, I think again on the, the strata of ways to do tie-ins AVX didn't do it badly it just it, the, the fact is when you have a 10 month event or a 6 month event and you have tie-ins that are happening concurrently you're going to have a hell of a lot of them that's more the problem that you have too many as opposed to them not necessarily being good that's true yeah with the AVX marathon we went through we touched on all the tie-ins that really was the marathon yes it was I think that was episode 18 <laughs> or 20 for those who want to check out the archive at comic shenanigans at uh, podbean sorry dot podbean dot com yeah um, but no, uh, we like we both now have the companion, which now has all those tie-ins. Mm-hmm. And out of that whole thing, only a few, in, in varying opinions of all of us, were wasted ones. And they were, for the most part, some of them were really mm-hmm. eye-opening and really helped the event along because it was missing pieces from the main book that we yeah, see which too, right? I, I gotta say, I, as much as like I think by the time AVX was done, you get AVX fatigue. So it's very easy to be like, oh my god, thank God that's over. I don't ever want to touch it again. I want it to sit for a while and digest, but. At the same time, like, I think out of, I mean, they've done a lot of events since, let's go back to what, 2004 or 2005, I think, was Civil War. So if we go back to then, there's been a ton of tie-in, uh, sorry, crossovers they've done. It was probably the most cohesive one, in ter- even though it was one of the biggest. Right. Uh, whereas you go back and you look at, there's been a lot of really shitty tie-ins over the years. Really bad. I know. Oh, I know. Um, so my biggest knock is that, for Age of Ultron, going back to our original topic, is mm-hmm. just that... Um, it was a little bit out of nowhere, almost kind of like fear itself, where here this is, booming your face, yeah. this is happening. Right? I know there's been some teases in the Marvel Free Comic Book Day, stuff like that, um, small mentions, but you never had this build toward this big Ultron from the future or whatever he's doing, mm-hmm. doing this all of a sudden. Like no. Suddenly we open the first page and, whoa, Ultron's won, what, what happened? Yeah. We've seen a little bit of tidbits of how we got to where we were, not a lot. Um, which may disappoint some, make sense to others, yeah. whatever. You're never going to make anyone 
hundred percent happy you know what? what you do. I, I was I was thinking we were talking before the podcast, which again shouldn't be doing as much of. <laughs> uh, and I was talking about how this, uh, in many ways, Age of Ultron doesn't quite feel like a true event to me. And I feel like part of it is is that it does feel very because it feels so insulated. It's its own thing, mm-hmm. and I mean, if you read the interviews with the creative staff, it's it's evident that this is basically supposed to be six one the main six one six. But when you read it. It doesn't feel that way because no. how could it be? Yes. But so I mean, so we, it's based on which version of time travel or ultimate realities you want to use. It just just feels like this is basically a Marvel Elseworlds, but they don't want to admit that it's that because they want it to be a big event. They want it to be something that no, no, it matters because it's the core universe. If it's not the core universe and it really is all alternate realities, then I think a lot of people wouldn't have bought it. So I think that's a huge part of the marketing. But they, I think they've tried to create this into an event that's not an event. I think this should have been maybe back when Venice was still doing the Avengers book. This should have been maybe a few months in that, and then it would have felt like you could be more insulated. It doesn't need to be, a, you know, connecting everywhere uh, that coherently because it's in this main book. Like there's time travel things that happen in, in separate books all the time. Yeah, like, these characters go through these things. It just happens. I think uh, what is it Hulk right now? I think he went in time to a younger version of Thor. So I mean, and even Thor right now is all about time travel. There's three different time periods of Thor's meeting and, and interacting so it's not like they couldn't just do that but instead they bill it as one thing they get they sold me a bill of goods that this is this is the next big marvel event it just doesn't feel like that it feels like this is an avengers story which doesn't really impacting anyone else that much but it's supposed to because it's the whole universe i guess so like i haven't been keeping a lot of tabs on all the internet talking interviews about it okay so i've been treating it as it's its own insulated like age of apocalypse separate yeah. thing right this is separate this you know, if this somehow changes something to 616 in the end, that's fine. But as far as I'm concerned, this is its own thing. Mm-hmm. I'm reading it for what it is as its own pocket universe. Uh, no, definitely better than what we had recently with Age of uh, X, right? Oh, Age Which, of X. Oh, yeah, that was awful. Right? There was some stuff, obviously. That we, was another thing that, that really came out of nowhere. I mean, technically I had like one issue that kind of led up to yeah. it, but not really. Yeah. And there was just like, kabam! And you're like, well, I don't know why this is happening. Yeah. And then it was over really quickly. Which wasn't a bad thing, because it didn't seem like well thought out. Yeah, it, it, it was in and out really quick. I didn't despise it, but I didn't love it either. So no. it's kind of in, but hold on. Uh, I do feel like, again, I'm really harsh on Age of Ultron, but at the same time, I love certain aspects of it. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that, the like right now, what, we're, we're done issue eight, I think, right? Yes. Okay, so seven and eight have been, uh, spoilers for those who haven't read this, so maybe go ahead a few minutes and see if we're still talking about this. Um, it's Sue and Wolverine come back to the present. The present has been hideously altered it's quite different now yes and we get to see what happens to the world without hank pym being in it that is fascinating and actually bendis i think uh, had posted online a kind of a, a list of uh, just kind of ramble random uh, things he was thinking of things that would have happened differently if, Han- if hank pym hadn't been there and i love that kind of shit I mean, mm-hmm. i'm a huge fan of what ifs uh, so i like the idea of alternate histories that come because of one event being changed so i like that and i like the exploration of that i just feel like it's been rammed into an event and it doesn't necessarily feel like it's been giving it time to really breathe and be developed as fully because I think Bendis really likes the idea and he should because it's, it's a storytelling goldmine but unless we're going to spend a lot of time in that era it doesn't really make a lot of sense to even explore it because you're kind of like this is what happened if he wasn't alive now we have to go fix it like it just I feel like we spent six issues getting to the point or five and a half getting to the point where Wolverine makes a decision alters the time stream kills uh kills hank okay good now we get to see what the world is like without hank very different but at the same time kind of similar in certain areas right uh i mean cap and tony not liking each other 
That's not the first time that's happened. No. But it's a lot, a little bit different. So I love that stuff. I just feel like, how are they going to resolve all this in two issues? And I feel like it's it's not going to get a chance to breathe. It's the bane of most events. They do tons of build-up and tons of little things, and then endings always get crammed in at the end. It a lot more happens. when it's Bendis, though. I feel like... Yeah, I just, Secret Invasion suffer from that. Yeah, I just feel like the beginning was so slow. Like, well, Secret Invasion, I felt like Bendis just hit the ground running. And then he slowed it down. And like, let's spend a little while in the Savage Land. I'm like, oh my god. So the, when in this event, we're, like, we're going to the Savage Land. I'm like, why, Bendis? Why must you go he there? Loves the Savage That's Land, not... Yeah. No, this time, it actually ended up accelerating the storyline. I felt like we finally got moving. Whereas with Secret Invasion, the minute we, we hit the Savage Land... Full stop, stop yeah, you know, and, yeah. which was really unfortunate because I that first issue of Secret Invasion I still think is one of my favorite comics because just reading that and at the end when everything's falling from the sky, every, like you're like, how is this even going to happen? It makes you really wonder that heroes are going to lose. This is going to be the dark. Well, obviously, Dark Rain came after, but the idea of the, of, of the heroes losing and the and the scrolls winning seemed very possible. Yeah, and then. Nope, that's not what we're doing at all. We're gonna hang out in the Savage Land, but every other time is gonna feel like it's been weeks. But it's really only been like a day. Yeah, and I guess another thing, I guess now that I think about it, you look at the end of that last issue, and Morgan Le Fay comes in with her big army, and, and the big uh, yep. war starts there. That kind of, you know, like why do that? Now you've kind of changed this Age of Ultron. Why do we have this new kind of weird? Chick villain taking the spotlight. Wouldn't it have been cool if Ultron still existed despite Hank Pym? Yeah. No, right? I, I think it would have. I, I, I do wonder about that. Or is that too obvious? Maybe. Yeah. I also think it might have been a callback to... I mean, he's used a lot of Morgan Le Fay in Dark Avengers. Dark Avengers, yeah. So I think it just... I think she's just a favorite character of his. I mean, I'm surprised Luke Cage was not around. Um, but, you know, that is a good point. Um, now, have you looked at any of the previous issue 9? Okay, so don't don't want to talk about those. Nope. Okay. It, anyways, I, I'm I'm just sad that we didn't that we don't we're not getting more of an exploration of this world because this world is pretty interesting. Um, well, Marvel's done little tie-in books and little mini series of yes. this universe. Oh, well, they in did the that House of M in a big yeah, way, so they could do it with this. Still, you don't know. They could. And to be honest, I hope they do because I actually would pick that up because I'd love to see. I, I I like. I'm not sure if I agree with all the changes that were made, but I, I do like the ideas behind them. Uh, and, and just to see how the world got that way, and how why Star Lords and the Defenders. I mean, that's weird but fun stuff mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, well, the segue to that, the recent issue of Wolverine and X Men number uh, twenty nine there. In the future, in the future, there that was really good. That was a fantastic. Issue. I have not enjoyed that series pretty much since Brew died because the whole stuff with Dog and the Savage Land. I was okay with that. You were okay. I with didn't it? like the art. I hated the art. Oh, that was not good. But uh, I just found the story didn't make any sense. It was just like. Why? Why is this happening? Why is there time travel with dogs? Yeah, like, no, it's, it is really weird, but I was okay with that. I don't know. It just felt... And actually, you know what? It, I hadn't thought of it till now, but in a lot of ways, it feels like Jason Aaron was doing a retread of the classic, you know, Juggernaut and Professor X. You had the headmaster of the school and his really pissed off brother. Or half-brother. Mm-hmm. Or, or in this case, it was stepbrother with, uh, with Juggernaut, but here it's basically his half-brother. Yes. So, and like, that's kind of kind of interesting. <laughs> You know that that kind of parallel that you have the headmaster and you have one of the villains of the headmaster is is, is his brother. But besides that, what was the point? 
It was really long. It was a long. It was, it was only four issues. Was it four? I actually, I only thought it was three, and I still thought it was way yeah. too long. Well, four it could have been an issue, and it would have been too long. Yeah, well, yeah. you you reestablish dog, and and you and you bring back. There was no need for that. Back. I was glad that he was yeah, never I know, around. But, well, he's adding him to the Hellfire Club, right? So I'm not you had to, liking you, that either. No, fine, but you brought him back. You had to make everyone remember what this guy's all about and who those who haven't read origin now you know what this dude's all about give him a quick little stint and now who hasn't read origin at this point i don't know those new computers when it's the, the first the, call oh those people. mythical yeah, new readers yeah, yeah. So, well, they, yeah they exist either um, way it, i'm not saying it was a fantastic story but you know there's a lot of been a lot of Aaron stuff about wolverine that have been up and down i haven't enjoyed but this i was okay with the book but, the book specifically, has, I want I want to touch on, on yeah. that twenty nine again. Again, talks about what if scenario. You see the students in the school and the names of the of the of yeah. The, that I loved. I I love that shit. Yeah. That that stuff is like you, you know, see all crack. the time in our science fiction. Like star, every version of Star Trek known to man has an episode like that. Oh, totally. Stargate. Uh, every everything has it's, it. So it's fantastic. Yeah, and I just like the idea. Like even that cover of just him kind of looking out over the school, and it's the older version of him, and the idea that. What I liked about it too is that it's not a bad world. It's not a bad future. It's actually pretty awesome. Yeah. And usually X Men, you know, potential futures never good. There's lots I, of Sentinels involved. Yeah, right? I'm pretty sure this is the first good one we've ever seen. Like, can you imagine? Can you actually recall any future version of the X Men that looked good? That's a good point. No, it's always horrible. It's always yeah. horrific. It's always you know Wolverine getting frosted. Uh, it's not frosted. Blasted by a Sentinel or. You know, something horrific happening, or, you know, C- Cable and Bishop, not exactly happy guys. Well, he does insinuate something bad does happen before they get to the happy place they are now. True. So that's why he wants to try and warn the, his past self, him, uh, past self yeah. with, but... And I love that the he, eye guy is still around, and yeah. they're kind of badass. Yeah. Everyone's cooler. Everyone's yeah. cooler in the future. Yeah. I like that stuff because it reminded me of earlier in the run, I really liked when... Um, they had Deathlock talking about the, the future of the, the yes, past. Yes, yes. Freaking love that. It was yeah. only a few panels, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so exciting. Mm-hmm. I wish I could see that. I actually wish I would have a book that I could watch Kid Omega and, uh, you know, um, what is it, the Gladiator's son being awesome. Yeah. You know, Kid, Kid Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love, and like Brew being like kind of ferocious and crazy, but also being brilliant. Like, I want to see that. I want to see a book. I would actually buy that book. It's amazing how he's introduced this total random group of nonsense characters. Like, when Morrison did this back in all the X-Men days, I despised Beak and Angel and all the crap yeah. he introduced. And I know some of them have kind of carried over, but again, here, more uh, Aaron has done the same kind of idea. Here's a whole bunch of random new people, but he's made them lovable. Uh, well, I They're think lovable. he. it comes down to at the point, at the at the end of the day, Morrison wasn't writing about characters, he was writing about concepts. And he was, so he was writing bigger... He wasn't. Con- he was introducing these characters, but he wasn't really concerned with who those characters were. Whereas Aaron has very purposely given them all life and has backstories in his mind, and so he writes them in a certain way so they all have their own voice. Whereas with Morrison, he again he was writing to a concept. He was writing of well, I want I want the X Men to be, actually be a school, so that's my concept. But he wasn't really worried about who makes up the school and how. Like a lot of those characters really didn't have a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. He gave personality to some pre-existing characters. Or took them in new ways. Like, Emma Frost, he made her more British than she's ever been in the way she talks. Uh, Cyclops, definitely a little bit less, more spineless than ever he had been before. But So he was amping up certain traits in these characters. But the new characters he actually created himself, very little did he actually do with them. 
Um, but you're right. Yeah, he, I hadn't really thought of the parallels before, but you're right. They both introduced a lot of students, and I could name more of Aaron's and like more of them. I mean, Brew, let alone, is like my yeah. favorite character. I'm still hoping they eventually restore him to being the Brew I love. Let's hope so. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I was flipping through the AVX compendium, and it has the issue where he gets shot in the head, and I'm like, oh my god, I forgot how sad. First of all, didn't realize it was like 11 issues ago. Like, I didn't realize this book comes out while. that often. Yeah, it's a and, double ship book. Yeah, and I... How long are they going to have him on the leash? <sighs> we'll see. Well, now that Indy's gone over... Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, now, can you... You read the uh, AU. 27 uh, AU of Wolverine X-Men? I think so. I may not have, actually. I think I oh. may have just glossed it. Okay. I think I glossed I'm it. Little, I'm a little confused as to what happens to Wolverine in that issue. Okay. So I, I was looking for your clarification, but if you haven't read it, then Oh, I wait. Can't. Oh, yeah. That one... Oh, sorry. That... I did read that one because that one had uh, Sue and that one felt very contrary to what happens in Age of Ultron because it felt like it put them in a certain scenario that when they came out of that issue it felt like they were opposite of where they were going to be in the actual Age of Ultron. Am I thinking of the right issue? No? Sue? Well, they steal the car and yes. they go to a, a shield base a shield to base. get a power cell for it. Yes. Wolverine gets in an incident with a, was apparently as a brood. Yes. Something or other. Yes. But I don't get are they trying to say that it was the humans who made the brood. Are they trying to establish like the Wolverine swallow and now make a brew? Like, I, I, yeah. to, I what, what are they trying to do with that? I was. I don't really know sure. what the point of that was. Yeah. I, I feel like. Well, I think the only point of the story there was to show that Wolverine didn't want to change the past because he, because like that's where I came out of that issue, and that's why I was. Just well, he to tried and messed it. up, and yeah, decided he shouldn't, and that maybe he shouldn't. But then when you read Age of Ultron, he totally does. Like he doesn't care, so I didn't. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't understand why that issue even existed. Because it felt like Sue made a conscious decision, like her thinking changed in that issue. Yes, we should change it because she realized what she'd lose, and she, when she kind she of came face to face, yeah, and that she should make a change. And Wolverine, because of his weird, you know, interaction there, was like, no, okay, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Then you read Age of Ultron, exact flip. They flip back to where their original ideas were. So yeah. I don't really know what the point of that tie-in was. Okay. What was your favorite Age of Ultron tie-in? <sighs> I'd probably be Spider-Man. Yeah, me yeah. too. Hands down. Even though, in the actual book, it doesn't always feel like like Bendis is writing No, it's not. That's the only place you feel to dock Ock Spider-Man is that issue. Yeah. Not at all anywhere else. There's a few scant lines of dialogue where you could almost, almost if you squint really hard, that you can maybe interpret it yeah, differently. Because no. they kind of sprung it on him. Because again, this has been done for a I long know. time. Again, where is her segue to Superior? I guess our next topic is Spider Man. Again, it works great in Slot's little world over on the corner there, but in the greater Making scheme everyone of the Marvel U, yeah, yeah, it's been a problem. But uh, that was a great time because it felt very like, yeah, that is what Otto would do. Mm-hmm. Otto would think he could, you know, that he could figure this out, that he could battle against uh ultron especially because i forgot that he's met ultron before he's dealt with him before on the on the battle world so i really loved that i thought it was so smart and it was a much smarter use of spider-man than he's ever been in the regular age of ultron book which he hasn't really been anything he's just kind of been around and mm-hmm. and the, again the few glimpses we see of him just before age of ultron happened definitely doesn't look like it was Otto. Like him just like being in a messy apartment, Otto wouldn't be like that. No. Not Otto. No. Not at all. Uh, speaking of Otto, Superior Spider-Man. How are you enjoying it? Issue 10 just came out. Well, I will admit it was getting to a bit of a point where it was getting... Every issue was a bit of a broken record. Yes. Here's Otto. 
I'm going to be better. Peter never would have thought of this. Look what I'm doing. Ha, ha, ha. That's actually not what I thought was the broken record part. I was tired of Peter, Ghost Peter, being like, no, no, well, Doc Ock, no, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, I'm just, I, I prefer reading Avenging Spider-Man because there was no Ghost Peter there. He was just, it was Yost just telling Doc Ock Spidey stories. Yeah, well, I was going to get there. Please okay, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. But no, I agree with you. Um, and there was that factor as well with Peter kind of whining in the background and but he, uh, again and with really whining like really whining. that is a good word because he was totally just yeah. like oh, I'm gonna so, get you so now apparently he's gone yeah so until now, Spider-Man 2 comes out come on well I know I know that I know, <laughs> I know. like we know Peter Parker will be Spider-Man yeah. again one day at some point there's no mistake I think the book is a little bit more exciting and fresh now because the minute they introduced the ghost Peter, it felt like, okay, well, they don't want people to be too upset that they've done this because now there's a back door. And also, it, it, it limited a little bit the, the, I don't know, the scope of where you could go with it. Because it felt like, like, usually you want to have a back door that if, if you want to change your mind on the story, you can take it. Yeah. But you don't want to, as a reader, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, walk in and you immediately show me the back door. Right. I want to I discover it later. Again, yeah, we all agree it was too soon to show that back door right off the bat. And, and it did, it did take away from the, the sense of possibility. And I think that's what's more exciting about the book, just reading issue 10, is that there's more possibilities now, because we don't know how Peter's going to come back. There's, it's not staring us in the face. We're not hearing him whine constantly, and, and now we're like, and plus it's more exciting because now Doc Ock doesn't have access to those memories. Like he, like he even kind of says, like you know, this was easier before, but now That's I don't right. really know what to say. Yeah. So it's a lot more interesting from a reader's perspective because it's like, how long is he going to be able to to be on this on this tightrope? Because now he doesn't have. The, the, the ability to call on things and be like, oh, this is what she would respond to. So MJ's like, what's going on here? Maybe I should talk to Carly. Carly wants to try and figure out a way to... Charlie. Carly. Is Carly. Is it Charlie Cooper? It's Carly Cooper. No, is that H in there? No. Oh, okay. My She's apologies. not a woman. Uh, sorry, not a man. That's, there are girls named Charlie. I know there are. But no, it's always been Carly oh, okay. with no, no H. My apologies. I love Carly Cooper. Always have. Yeah. Um, well, at least you have that background investigation always there. Them kind of going, something's not right. They know something's not right. Yes. And they're going to lead eventually to that path of bringing Peter yeah. back, obviously. What I like about it as well is that uh, Doc Ock has no idea that she knows because his mem- like the memories he the, the memories of Spider-Man would have had left over that he took control of predate when she found out from real Peter Man, it's hard, it's hard to describe things happening in this book. Yes. Uh, when she found it from Rhea Peter, and I guess what six ninety nine or seven hundred. Um, so yeah, I, I love Carly Cooper. She's one of the most interesting love interests because she has more of a personality in terms of having an actual job and skills. As much as people love MJ, they've never really let her do more than be an actress. Whereas she owns a club now. Not anymore. It's well. It's isn't it destroyed? Isn't it? Like, uh, they blow it up every week. It seems to be the place to destroy. This is true. Uh, how do you think of uh, what do you think of the goblin stuff? Is it Norman? That's the big question. Because just because we saw an empty hospital bed doesn't mean it's Norman. And I'm actually excited that maybe it isn't Norman. It's not like we haven't seen bait and switches by Slot before when no. it comes to goblins. Yeah, yeah. Like, it hasn't been that long since I thought they killed off Roderick and it turns out it was his twin brother, which is very soap opera, but I mean, yeah, hey, yeah. it's there. What it's are you going to do with it's it? It's true. No, run with it. Like, go- a goblin's back, and it'd be, it'd be cool to have a goblin versus Doc Ock really cool. uh, fight. Okay, th- this is the stuff that 
uh, are, the, are the pros to the book, some of the really cool off-the-wall things that you can do with Dr. Octopus now being Spider-Man, right? Yep. This is the great stuff that we'll get to have. But again, it's a novelty thing. We'll enjoy it now. Um, you know, we're not going to get another 500 issues of Doc uh-huh. Ock, Spider-Man. Peter's got to come back. We know he has to come yeah. back. I uh, like that Doc Ock starting a romance with that girl, with this tutor. Yeah. Freaking love sure, it. Yeah. It makes me sad for her, though, because she doesn't know that he's not... You know, that's still the part that makes me kind of cringe a little bit sometimes is that I really like what's going on here. But at the end of the day, as much as I know it's Doc Ock, no one in this universe knows. So it's it's hard to watch because then at some point Peter's going to come back and he's going to have to break this poor little girl's heart. That's very true. Marvel's biggest challenge is going to be when they bring Peter back. How really won't matter in the end. No. But when they do, will Slucky be seen on the book? If a new writer comes on, is he going to really try and quickly wash away I really superior. hope they don't because I've really enjoyed overall the the evolution of, of Peter as a character because for so long it felt like they had no rudder they didn't know where they are going with mm-hmm. Peter in terms of his career in terms of his life Brand New Day as much as I liked that it kind of reset things and I liked the it felt like I was watching a TV show. It wasn't until big time until it really... It wasn't until big time until yeah. they actually figured out, okay, we've laid the groundwork for who he is now he's going to get his shit together it's much more interesting uh, him having like a, a, a good job and it feels like he's moving forward in life and he's not just it's interesting that they even did it at all because Quesada wanted Peter to be the down in his luck Parker Luck guy and then every ch- every chance Slot gets he changes that so he's not that mm-hmm. so he may be single but he'll he'll be dating Carla Cooper or they'll be teaming up on a case, or he's working with Horizon Labs. So much more interesting than it was before. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's actually evolving as a character. And my biggest fear is that not only would they rewind and try to you know put him back to a status quo after Slot leaves, or after Superior Spider-Man, or if both things happen at the same time, but also just the idea of just regression and going backwards, because it finally feels like the character in the book moves forward again. Yeah. After so long of having no direction. Like, as much as I liked a lot of the JMS stuff... The teacher stuff didn't really factor in. Like it, his job didn't matter. He didn't have much of a status of a because they, they kept that same mantra of him, and even even Otto uh, takes it uh, many times. Is that Parker makes commitment, but then always blows it by being Spider Man. Yeah, right. Never found a way to balance it perfectly, and he was always guilty of screwing it up because mm-hmm. of being Spider Man. Well, another thing too is I hope that when Peter does come back, that he does take from this. Yeah, he does learn something from it because. It's really interesting. Like this is this is this is Spider Man done right. Like I like that slot as much as yes, you have a villain in the role. He, the villain's doing some cool things. Now that being said, it's because he's a crazy control freak, and it makes sense that he would. But it's just it's, it's a lot of fun to read. I'm excited for you know. The, I I like seeing him go up against Peter's old nemesis, uh, especially the people who he's worked with as Sinister Six. So reading Avenging Spider Man, I've really enjoyed him. You know, fighting against uh, well. Where did he fight against Vulture? It was in Superior proper, right? I believe so. I think it was. But he fought Electro elsewhere. Electro and Rhino were both in Superior. Or, or, I mean, Avenging, sorry. Avenging. Was it Rhino? I thought that was Sandman. Oh, yeah, sorry. My apologies. It was Sandman about, it was and Electro Sandman. for sure. And he's going, to, he's going to free a uh, chameleon. So, like, I like... Because you get to see like, how he feels about these people. And we don't usually get to get, go into Ox head. And it's just interesting to see how he feels about these people he's worked with his entire life. Well, not his entire life, but for a lot of his supervillain life. And, uh, yeah, and coming up, we have uh, him fighting Scarlet Spider soon, which, I mean, I'm wondering how much... Because before, Otto had to consciously access Peter's memories. 
in order to really know things. So will he know who, Super, who Scarlet really is? Like, will he know it's a clone of, uh, of Peter's body? Because now that he doesn't have those memories necessarily to draw upon, maybe he doesn't. And then, like, I don't know, I'm really excited about the possibilities there. Because Kane would know something's up. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I'm wondering what even brings him back to New York. I mean, it's, it's probably something to do with uh, Madam Webb. Because Madam Webb must have known. I mean, she must have known something was going to happen. She went into a coma. We haven't seen her in a while, yeah. She went into a coma right around 700, right? Yeah. And before she did, like, she, I know she's written notes to, to Kane before, right before her collapse. So I'm really. I hope they don't waste, waste the opportunity, though. They have a, a great, a good opportunity to do something awesome here. I hope they don't waste it on some stupid fight and nothing comes of it afterwards. Yeah. Well, or maybe Scott Spider will like what's happened to Peter, or maybe he won't even be able to tell that he's not. I don't know. Uh, he would know because because Kane is the one being the the rougher, more brutal Spider-Man when he has to be. Maybe he's just coming coming to town to say, "Hey, that's my gig. I'm the rougher Spider-Man. You can't you can't do that. You can't make me the soft and cuddly one. That's not right." Maybe because he would be very against that idea. Um, also, with Scarlet Spider, I mean, there's been mention in the solicits about Ben Riley. I don't know what that is going to mean, but they've been. They've been playing with in that sandbox a lot. A lot. You know, the fact that they even brought... They're, they're, that there's even a book called Scar and Spider. Five years ago, they would have been like, there's no fucking way. That's never going to happen. But now, I'm reading Scar and Spider, and it, well, it used to be a good book, and now it's just kind of there. But it's been up and down a little bit. At least it exists. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a character that I've always enjoyed and doing interesting things with him. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with what's been going on there. Uh, also, I guess you've been caught up on Uncanny Avengers now? Correct. Now, what do you think of the book? Because I remember we originally on the podcast, we talked about issue one. No one really liked it. I mean, you, me, and Nate were kind of, eh, uh, don't really know what's going on here. Yeah. Um, let's, I, I guess, first talk about the first arc. And then, because there's basically two arcs at play. Okay, yeah. For the most part. So the first arc, what were your general impressions once it was over? <clears throat> um, that was a long sigh for, the, for you listeners. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't huge on the Red Skull stuff. Again, I didn't like the whole, let's... Take Xavier's brain right off the the, the hop there. Um, Let's not respect the character at all. Yeah, it was it was very aggressive and yeah. Um, I guess it was basically the show. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. We're not we're not fooling around because yeah. he got shot in the head before and he survived. Back, yes. But now we've carved out his brain. He, his body's here, but you can see the line where we cut yeah. it off. Like I guess I guess that was the point. I guess it was to say I know everyone thinks we're going to bring him back. We've basically ripped out his head. Like, I guess so. it just felt so too soon, and there was no real fallout about it. No one seemed really pissed off about it. No, like it was not just really not well done. Right? If you're gonna no. do something that extreme, I felt there should have been more to it. But yeah. maybe I'm just being picky. I don't know. If it was gonna be anybody, though, it would be Remender. I guess so. If anyone's gonna scoop out Xavier's brain, it's totally Rick Remender. No other writer would be like, "I would like to do this, please." This is totally my, something in my wheelhouse. Absolutely. Um, and that leads us to the, the very end with, you know, I, I love Onslaught, but Red Skull Onslaught, I don't know. I, part of me wanted weird. to be like, okay, cool. But part of me wanted to be like, no, just, just don't bother. Just don't do it. Yeah. It's just, I don't know what the point is. And then from there, we got a pretty great, um, one shot issue first, I guess that had the. Yes. With the Coppella art and stuff. Yeah. Gorgeous. Actually, I guess that was the issue after. Because I think, that, wasn't there that first issue that where had uh, Havoc gave his speech about that's being a mutant? Yeah, that's the one. Is that the one? Yeah, that's that the same issue? one thing issue, yeah. Oh, cool. that was, oh okay. Yeah. I guess, yeah. That was, that was alright. Yeah, it was okay. 
It felt like it felt a little bend to see. A little bit, yeah. Again, like with Wonder Man coming back. I'm not a big Wonder Man guy, so I don't like him being added to the roster. I'm okay with having Sunfire, yeah. but I'm not big on having I'm okay Wonder with Man. Wonder Man being back. I'm not okay with everything Bendis did to him, but then Bendis quickly tried to take back, which made me more upset about it. Yes. Because if you're going to... It's it's one of those classic things. If you're going to do something really terrible to this character, at least keep it consistent. Yeah. It's kind of... you know, And, and then they bring him back and they like, well, now I'm a pacifist and I made mistakes and now I'm sorry. Yeah, you were kind of a big dick and you had a reason to be, to be honest. And then... Sure. He did, like, really quickly, it just felt very forced, because Bendis was like, oh, I'm leaving the book, I've got to wrap this up really quickly, because yeah. someone else wants to use Wonder Man. And Jan's um, been a bit of a bitch, too, in this, uh... A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm okay with, um, what was it, Rogue and, uh, Scarlet Witch been, kind of being at odds? I don't know yeah, whether they know where that Rogue's been kind of weird in this book, too. I haven't quite figured out how they're, what they're doing with her yet. Yeah. And Havoc, I like him. I'm like, I like that he's there. And on the Unity Squad, that's yeah, kind of fun. that works. Uh, we got the flashback issue with, uh, was it Apocalypse? Okay, Precursor, go read his Uncanny X-Force before you read this oh, stuff, yeah. right? You have to, because otherwise you are completely lost. Like, if I was reading, if I could start up Uncanny Adventures, I'd be like, what the fableep is this? This is true. Like, like completely said, in left field. That issue right? was so good. Like that issue, the the, the first issue, because the, the Apocalypse twins with uh, Thor's uh, axe there. Uh, no, um, the Apocalypse and like, the Kang, Kang and Apocalypse. Okay, yes, and okay, Thor. yes, yes, yes. That it was like some, that whole flashback story. Absolutely loved it. Yes. Uh, obviously they're borrowing that version of Thor from Jason Aaron's current run. Uh, of the idea of having the younger version of Thor with the axe. Uh, so cool. And again, I like seeing Apocalypse being Apocalypse. Back before he was Apocalypse, if that makes any, <laughs> if that makes any sense, um, I really dug it. It was just a lot of fun. I like the idea of putting Apocalypse and Kang kind of on the same playing field together. So much fun. And well, it mixes a big Avengers villain with a big X Men villain, right? and, 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 and and really well. And yeah. instead of you know trying to shoehorn uh, Red Skull into, a po- into onslaught, thought, yeah. it felt much more natural, much more like, yeah, why wouldn't these two have crossed paths? Yeah, I wish we started with that. I think we, I wish we avoided Red Skull stuff and went right into this. But again, you have to read the Uncanny X Force. Oh yeah, it's cursor. it's like it critical reading. It wasn't till this arc that then you're like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, Uncanny X Force really was a precursor to this. Hundred percent. Without it, it makes no sense no. whatsoever. But it's a it's a great thematic uh, sequel. I feel like a Hickman book throwing random crap at you that you yeah know, a little bit ties yeah. into something else. I was like, Whoa. A, li- a little bit, yeah. yeah. No, it was good. And then the current arc, very. I'm not a fan of the art. Uh, by Daniel Kuna. Oh, you hated Kuna. I'm. It's not as bad as he was yes. when he was doing like Flash and stuff. But like, he, can you imagine him in a Flash? Because I don't think you've seen it. But no. he's got a very static, you know, very. Um, it doesn't look like there's a lot of fluidity of movement. And when you have a character like Flash, it's all movement. So you can imagine why I didn't like it. Yeah. And so I think it soured me on him forever uh, because I was just so I was so disappointed. It's better here. It's not great, but it's better. Um, Remender's hitting his stride. This is he loves telling weird, wacky, apocalypse-inspired tales, and that's what this is. And suddenly, Sunfire is a badass. I've always liked Sunfire, and I'm glad to see him back. Well, I've liked Sunfire, but I he's never AOA been a badass. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's never been a badass though, except for an AOA, maybe. But even there, he wasn't really a badass because half the time he was like, I remember the first time I saw AOA uh, Sunfire. And it might have been the first time I'd ever seen the character at all. And it's uh, Astonishing X-Men number one, when he just shows up and they pour it through. And he's all on fire and the Magneto has to, like, douse him and, like, cover him up and, and like, use his powers to, like, uh, wrap metal around him and stuff. Do you remember that? 
No. Awesome. Great stuff. It stuck with me like till today, but uh, it was no. I've been enjoying the new art quite a lot. Yeah. No, it's good because I I can see I feel the connection there because we did uh, you me and Nate we all enjoyed. Um, Uncanny X Force. Uncanny X Force. The run yeah. there with Dark, the Dark Angel saga there. Yeah, and I was sad because I mean the the, the current uh, X Force, both of them, um, haven't really been all that great. Um, the main problem with Uncanny X Force is that they're going up against a villain I don't want, which is Bishop. Bishop. Yeah. And it's not even Bishop. Bishop. It's this weird Bishop dog thing because he's growling at people. He's possessed. I don't even remember the last issue. It was terrible. I haven't been keeping up. I like the well. pucks there. That's about it. Uh, have you read any of Cable X Force? I'm behind. I've read the first it few. It doesn't make any sense. Like, there's just stuff happening. There, yeah. They're in space. They're it's messing the place up the Cable and Hope and let them do their thing, right? The only thing I liked was that the ad, I think it was a house ad that was running that said Daddy's Home for uh, Cyclops. Oh, Cyclops comes Because he's going to be in an issue. And that's the only thing that was like, <laughs> that's awesome. Daddy's Home. That was it. Yeah, it's, it hasn't been all that great. Uh, but speaking of X-Men related books, mm-hmm. all new X-Men? Yep. How do you Still feel loving it. Still loving it. It's great. Yeah. I, I it's uh, it's interesting. I would actually be okay with Stuart Eminem leaving if he did, because I love David Marquez. He's such a great artist. Yeah, he did good as a, the film. I, I would love Eminem to stay as on for as long as possible. You know, I I, I know it's not going to be the Bendis uh, and uh, Bendis and Bagley Bendis and Bagley run that yeah. we had for Ultimate no, Spider-Man. I, well, it can't be either because it's coming out so often. Yeah, uh, but Marquez is a brilliant fellow, and I think he's still going to be filling into the future. I know that. He's, I think, the the new full time artist in Ultimate Spider Man because he was the fill in artist there when Sarah Pacelli was there. But okay. Sarah Pacelli is moving over to Guardians of the Galaxy, cool, which is a big uh, step up because that's a really highly promoted book these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope both Pacelli and Marquez get a lot of work and a lot of. Um, I hope they get promoted a lot at Marvel because they're just such great illustrators. And um, but Eminem is too. I mean, I just I don't know what it is. Marquez made me much more excited about the art. Really, and Eminem. I mean, Eminem was all right, but I and uh, I really enjoyed some of it. It's a lot of gorgeous it, in this life. A lot of it has to do with the colors. I think yeah. the colorist on that book does a great job. It really pops. It's very flashy. I agree. Uh, it's just a fun book. Like it's I, a great book. I was so skeptical, you know, because you don't know what it's going to be like, and at times it's a little slow. But I don't care. It's one of those books where Bendis can slow the fuck down, and I don't care because the characters are rich. Exactly, and you don't need to rush anything here. No, no need for it. Actually, yeah, and rushing is the worst thing you could do. And yeah. I'm excited for the next issue is going to be with Havoc coming to the school. Yes. And that's exciting. Because Scott doesn't even, does he even really remember Alex all that much at this point in his career? Because he hasn't met him again as, he, as an adult. So I think he's, his only memories would have been him uh, in the plane, jumping the off. Parachute there. And yeah. then from there, I don't think they spent much time in the orphanage together. No, and they go their separate ways for a bit. So that's really, and I just love seeing young Scott. He's such a cool character. I mean, a lot of people are like, Scott Summers is so bland. Not when he's a young kid, apparently. He's amazing. Like, just him making mistakes and not being, like, the absolute leader, but also having a little bit of that in him. And Jean Grey being the scariest fucking character on the Absolutely. planet. Absolutely. Well, even Wolverine off. alludes to her in the Wolverine X-Men issues. Yeah. And, and Jean is going to warn them, right? So. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. yeah. She, I, I like the idea that people have always wanted Jean Grey back. This is a smart way of being able to use her without actually bringing her back to life and uh, people make fun of her always come back from the dead so this is a way of getting around it but still getting to use the character perfect and so much more interesting yeah because we're we're used to a gene who's older who grew into her powers who's gone through these these transformations but is remarkably well adjusted so now we're going up against this girl who's not well adjusted Mm -hmm. isn't prepared for the powers and 
isn't really scared of about you know doing things with them, and and not always on purpose, but she's still fucking around, and that's cool. Yeah, and the, and the cuckoo's critter in her place and stuff like that. That was awesome. Really good yeah, stuff. That, and it takes all three of them though. Yeah. No, it's really cool stuff. It's really good. Um, Angel leaving the, te- the, the team. Uh, I'm wondering at some point will he remember that what she made him forget, what the uh, Jean made him forget. I hope so. Yeah, maybe the Emma and the Cuckoos will make her make her remember or something like that. I can see them going that route. The only, like now going to that side though, Uncanny had the first good few issues, but I'm not liking. The art got ugly, and they're dealing with their mamu now. Uh, that's and Trevor Harrison, is it? No, it's not uh, him. It's someone remember. else. But Fraser Irving. Yeah, he I, did a lot of uh, Batman Inc. stuff. Not a big fan. Yeah. I don't care about their mamu. It feels very not the right tone. Yeah, I mean, yes, they actually do a lot like, of weird shit. Though. I know, but it feels like see, it feels like the book. I know they want to establish why magic instead of becoming more depowered and funky has become more powerful. I get they want to touch on that part of it. I guess a bit. Yeah. I just want to get through this quickly. Because I don't think we should be the MO of this book. My same issue with when Dark Avengers was happening, right? Yeah. Instead of them doing some really aggressive stuff against the non-registered heroes and, and then some crazy things and really honing their Dark Reign yeah. um, era, they said far enough Morgan Le Fay and they far enough Molecule Man and they just they, they were good stories, but they right. felt like why are they doing this? Why are you wasting your time with this stuff? You should be doing bigger and better things. Okay. So I don't feel this. I want to get through this quickly. I want Buck Shallow back or a different artist, and I want to get back on track to where that book should go. Yeah, how do you feel about Dazzler? Dazzler, Agent of Shield. Huh? Oh shoot! I think I may have. Have you not been on the internet recently? No. Okay. Well, it's not a big spoiler because it okay. was announced already. But Dazzler's like the new Agent of Shield. That's happening because she's her own book's over. Extreme X Men is over, so she's back oh, in the. So she's back in the uh, regular Marvel universe, and she's now Agent of Shield. Okay. I why well, I, I didn't realize you hadn't oh, read the new. Okay. I forgot that's, you hadn't read the new issue of Uncanny because it just came out this past week. But that's yeah. fine. Okay. Yeah, was, she's she's involved. All right. Cool. She's there. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the current Dormammu story yeah. and the, all the demonic stuff. Uh, just because the, the the book seemed like it wanted to be a lot more grounded, and then it just goes really apeshit out of nowhere. Not that the X Men don't have a history of doing that. Because they, they fight against vampires. They fight against Belasco. Like, they go to, you know, Asgard and they have Asgardian Wars. Like, this shit happens all the time. It just doesn't feel like maybe this was the right time for it. Exactly. I think that you have to build this book up. You've, you've established, okay, my base of operations is in Canada, Weapon X facility. We're grabbing these new mutants. We're introducing new characters. We're going to train them. You have Magneto doing his shady stuff with S.H.I.E.L.D. on the side, which is really just a different thing altogether, too. Mm-hmm. You know, keep it within that wheelhouse. Don't sell any go somewhere totally different yeah. kind of almost for no reason it's interesting too because it almost feels like the two books uh, Uncanny and All New are written by different writers it doesn't feel like Bendis on both mm. it, it feels like he, it feels like someone else is writing Uncanny like obviously the first issues were a little bit stronger but it still didn't quite feel like Bendis if I, and it didn't feel it, it honestly felt like if I had handed someone issues of All New and Uncanny and said read these and then I said okay you know and they probably would think they were by two different writers I, th- I think until you get to this Dormammu one. I think the first few issues are fine. Once you hit this Dormammu arc, that's when it goes, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, and then what it happened? feels like it's yeah. someone else for sure. Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're okay for the first bit. Yeah, I, I guess... there was some synergy sorry. there to start. I, part of me wishes that they never brought Uncanny back, just because I liked having it all in one book. Uh, because a lot of the setup for Uncanny was in All New. Like, I can agree with you, that. You couldn't just you couldn't read AVX Consequences and then read Uncanny X-Men. 
you couldn't do it. You'd be like, I don't understand what's happening. It seems like a lot of stuff is happening yeah. in the middle. And they did. So it was just an odd choice because they, they did a lot from their perspective in all new. So it's it's hard to follow that train. But I, I get it. They want to have a book for each, you know, each squad. And that makes sense. I just, I wish that there'd been a little bit more to start it off that way. Yeah. Well, you had to, you had to break them up eventually because you couldn't it'd be the same old... Yes. with the two teams would be too yes, much. Yes, you're right. And it does allow them to do other things with the young X-Men that don't have to do with the old. Yeah. And them exploring their own world. Uh, I also like the idea that we're that they're, he's slowly um, showing what Mystique's up to, which is really cool. Like, it's a smart plan. Like, why wouldn't she do this? Like, she's mm-hmm. messing around. And the idea, again, that young Scott met her, and I don't know, I really dig that. It's a lot of fun. Like, the, the X-Books are a lot more fun than they have been in a while. Exactly. I feel like exactly they were hoping for post-AVX. Yeah, it's a shot in the arm. Especially, I mean, not all of them, because there's way too many X-Books. That's the problem. But the, the core one, only is, is the is the core title. More than Uncanny, I'd say. And that's the, the most fun in the entire line. Uh, have you read the new Wolverine series? Not Savage. The other one? I have the first three issues in my read pile. I almost don't even want to read them. Why is that? Well, I don't. I'm, I'm not, not telling big, you to read it because uh, I'm not big on Alan Davis. I know I've I've skimmed through issue one where the, the kid and his dad's robbing the bank and they kill the dad and the kid becomes a jerk and tries to shoot Wolverine two and he chases him and I it's just, still going on. You know, it's yeah. like three issues of it. Although guess, Nick Fury Jr. is there now. That's fantastic. I know I, you're not a huge fan of him. You know what you should read? Uh, Secret Avengers. So good. I uh, wasn't a huge fan of the last volume of Secret Avengers because it was the most schizophrenic comic I've ever read. Um, it's like, we're, we're going to do secret black ops stuff, but first we're going to go to the moon, and then we're going to do some kung fu stuff. Kung fu was alright, though, because it was a little bit more interesting. And then they had some weird Fear Itself tie-ins. Then they had Warren Ellis come on for six issues that had nothing to do with each other. They're just a bunch of one-shots, which were great, and at least felt more like this is what Secret Avengers would do. And then you had Rick Remender come on and say, I'm going to do some weird funky shit, which I did not like with the Descendants and then the, then it ended and it was just like I, if you asked me to t- give you an idea of what this book was I have no idea what to tell you and then this new book uh, I read the first issue and I wasn't really sold on it yet but every issue it's gotten better it's, it, it should but it shouldn't be called Secret Avengers it's called Secret Avengers because they need to call it Avengers it's basically S.H.I.E.L.D. this is a S.H.I.E.L.D. book okay. this is what S.H.I.E.L.D. does it's got you finally get to have Quake doing stuff because at the end of Secret Warriors, she inherited S.H.I.E.L.D. She basically is the new director of S.H.I.E.L.D. But most people don't know This is know the book to... where they go on missions, but they get my wipes. So yes. Right? But they don't know how to use Daisy, so most places just use Maria Hill instead, who's technically just an acting commander when Daisy's not around. And some artists make them look identical, which is problematic as well. Mm. When one should look like a young Angelina Jolie with a man haircut. Because that's what Quake originally looked like. Well, shouldn't Quake always have gauntlets or something? Um, no, she doesn't. She doesn't, but she should. Okay. That would at least be some sort of thing Different that they could add, yeah. yeah. And usually they just look the same, except for they give uh, Maria Hill a bigger rack. <laughs> Which Nate would want to point out, because he is always one to say, no, 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 she's busty. I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that, uh, going back to all of you, that uh, they keep this rolling for as long as they can. I, I, eventually, again, all comics, best friends ever. You know, we'll talk when we talk about you know Green Lantern, Jeff Johns's long, long run. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have areas where it's going to be peak and it's going to yeah. be a valley, and find craters where it's going to dip, and it is what it is. So, uh, I mean, there, there's got to be an end game here too. There's got to be a direction to where they want to eventually take 
these characters and, and eventually do something really substantial with these new five and yeah. um, you know again this is again it's X-Men and this is totally an X-Men thing and it's their own little corner of the Marvel again they're, they're totally yeah. uh, you know what's interesting about all new is that even more than Superior Spider-Man where you know the status quo will eventually be, be put back together mm-hmm. it's almost like I, I have to give credit to Bendis because at no point like sometimes when I'm reading Spider-Man I'm thinking well how are they going to get out of this when they bring Peter back but at no point am I ever wondering like, well, I don't know where they're going to bother going with this because they have to send these characters back. Like he he makes me care about these characters, and I really do hope they never have to go home. Yeah. Um, which is and and he makes me believe in the way he writes it that they don't have to go home. Uh, partially because of the time travel thing, they don't actually have to. We still get to enjoy present versions of those characters, so it's not quite the same as the Superior Spider-Man. But I'm just so invested that. I don't want them to leave. I almost prefer them to some of the actual X-Men in the modern time period. Because, like, I don't care about Gambit anymore. Like, I haven't cared about Gambit in years. I'd rather read about young Cyclops and him figuring out things and finding out that he, apparently he's got a lot of money in safety deposit boxes. I want to know where he got that money. I want to know what Scott has been doing on the side. Like, yeah. what kind of allowance was he getting from Charles? There you go. Charles yeah. is the richest man in the world. I thought Tony was loaded. <laughs> but Tony doesn't have, like, well, he does have a lot of toys, but at least he has a business. Stark, uh, not Stark. Xavier had no actual source of new income. He's, like, what, what? What did Xavier do for money? Running a school does not make money. First I don't of know. All. He uses his brain, especially the school getting blown up every five minutes. Like, ask, ask the Red Skull. He knows. Yeah, the Red Skull knows now. Yeah. Um, now transitioning a little bit away from comics. Um, now we're we're doing this on what the twenty sixth of May. So those in the states will have had the opportunity to, I guess, watch the first hour of Avengers Assemble. The new TV series, the new animated uh, show on Disney XD. Unfortunately, in Canada, we didn't we don't have access to that yet. So we did have access to the first half hour, which was the free download that everyone got on iTunes. Yep. Um, what were your first impressions of this new show? <sighs> besides <Did> letdown. <laughs> besides letdown. I, I, I don't know I'm about guessing. I don't know about letdown. Um, it's different. The, the biggest problem is, um, because. Earth's Mightiest Heroes is still so fresh in yeah. my memory, mm-hmm. right? And it was so good. Yes, it was. Right? The only upgrade I will give Adventures Assemble right away is uh, the more mature animation of the characters. I disagree, actually. Okay. I'm, I don't find it more, more mature no, at all. No, I actually, it's, it, it's, it's more cleaner animation than... It was much more cartoony than Earth's Mightiest. Mm. Okay? Like, grab your... Your Blu-ray. Yeah. Look at the cover. The characters are kind of, you know, Wasp especially, you know, has a very kind of anime-ish even kind of costume yeah. to her, right? They 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 brought it more realistic. Now, see, I, I I like the brighter color palette as much as like more so than, like the first thing I noticed about Avengers Assemble, the colors are very dark. I mean, very dark, and I they're very muted. Yeah. And I found that that I found very disappointing. And maybe, that's probably where I I can't even look at the designs because I'm like, well, it's so so dour it's where it didn't seem like Avengers uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes was very much a celebration like just from the colors like yeah. it was it was it was not hiding the fact that it was a comic book they were so excited that this is a comic book come to life yeah. and then I re- watched this and I'm like it's trying so hard to be the movie universe I know and that hurts and especially it start, it's almost trying to be a movie universe that assumes that Iron Man 3 doesn't happen because it's supposed to be like you know it's, it's very clearly like post Avengers post the movie like he's like you got Tony starting off in the the same tower, the Stark Tower or Avengers Tower, I guess at that yeah. point, 
but like it very much feels like this is coming right off that movie to a know. certain extent I guess um so I see I can get that Marvel wanted to kind of take this and put it in the same like quote unquote universe as the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon is um, it in the same universe yes that's their big thing, right? That's unfortunate. They want to make it all... I, I agree. They want to make it all... Like, they want to try and do their comic universe as a TV universe, right? Keep okay. everything kind of together and connected. Mm-hmm. And while it makes a little bit of sense, I don't think it's necessary. Because look at Ultimate Spider-Man. It has a lot of very campy, cartoony, goofy moments with the little sides. You know, Peter has little animations and cutesy stuff that is obviously going to be absent in Avengers. Yeah. That has no place in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel... You introduced Earth's Mightiest Heroes. It was a monstrous success as far as I'm concerned. I, um, I, I don't think the ratings proved otherwise. I don't the, think the so. The only reason show got canceled is because they want to go this different route, not because the current show was doing poorly. Yeah. Um, and a huge f- fan base. Yes, it, the character designs may not be everyone's cup of tea, but the show and the episodes and the content they touched on was all spot on. Yeah. My biggest discrepancy I found was the voices. Every time I heard Thor and Iron Man talk, I'm expecting to hear the Earth Mightiest Hero voices, but yeah. I thought we're dead on. These voices all seem completely off to me, as if they tried to be as different as possible so I didn't remember Earth's Mightiest Heroes. You yeah. know, Thor felt way too odd. God, you know, I am a hero to say that. Like, it was just yeah. weird, like too deep and too belly. Hulk, Hulk was the same. Hulk was dead on. I was no problem with He's the Hulk. He's the same Hulk. Is it the same? It's the same one. That's okay. why I felt that on, because it was well, the exact there you same. Go. Because I, I recently watched, like, me and Ben were watching the Ultimate Spider-Man stuff. I've, I've watched all the episodes. I, I throw on uh, every now and again a DVR one, and we watch it. And he gets a good laugh out of some of the, the funny Spidey stuff. And some of them are laugh out loud funny yeah. moments, I agree. But there was one we were watching. It was when Spider-Man... So you, you sound like you've warmed up to it more. <sighs> yes and no. I, I, I appreciate because, some because of the of humor. Son, I guess. Yeah, I like watching with him. I think it, it helps appeal to him a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we are watching one when um, Hulk... Mm-hmm gets bitten by an alien or something a phalanx thing or something okay and it, so Peter takes him home in his room and he spends a whole episode trying to hide the fact that Hulk is in the house to an Aunt, Aunt May who is in the house with a sprained ankle from really? coming home early from a race and it just dragged on and it just got I found it I just got pathetic to me at a point I had to turn it off and finish watching the episode I just didn't stop yeah. enjoying it okay um, because it was just too I was looking forward to a fun Hulk and Spider-Man episode and yeah. it just turned out being this kind of lame I gotta hide Hulk from at me you know it was just it wasn't enjoyable um, but I'm going off on a random tangent makes no sense so let me just trail back to okay. Avengers Assemble okay so I'm watching the show and I, I felt the same as I did when I was watching the new Amazing Spider-Man okay right because again the uh, Tony McGuire trilogy is still fresh to yes. me it's, it's still very uh-huh. old so you're getting an origin again. Is that part of what your problem Not is? No, the origin again. It's just that I had no issue with what we had before, burning number three, which was terrible. Um, now we got this whole new thing, this whole new status quo, this whole new way of doing things. You know, I had no issue with what we had before, so why are you changing it? Yeah. You know? There's so, no need for it. Now, if I'm trying to watch Avengers Assemble and pretend that Earth's Mightiest doesn't exist... Yes. Right? That has to be the best way to do it. Because the fact of the matter is, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, way better. So, based on one episode, which is a small sample size, right? Yeah. Give me five, six episodes. Maybe I can change my opinion and warm up to it more. Although maybe I, some I think if coming. you took this, or new, this one episode we've seen of Earth's Mightiest, put it up against the worst episode of, uh, sorry, 
Avengers Assemble, take one episode and go up against the worst episode of Earth Minus, I still think Earth Minus would win. I know, I think so too. Because I can't even remember a really bad episode they had. No. I mean, maybe some of like the, the micro episodes that were the origins, but even they were still good. Man, they just weren't as great as the rest. Yeah. But see, you, you brought the scene launched in the first place to warm people up to the Avengers. Yeah. And it led into the movie. And it did that job. And now, oh, thanks for doing that for us. Now we're going to kill you because we want to now continue on and copy the movie afterwards. Yeah. It made no sense. I think that's right? like the biggest thing that we th- that I uh, that I am not a big fan of is because it's just like when the comics change Hawkeye's costume because they want it to be more similar to the movie or be yeah. more realistic, quote, quote, air quotes there, um, because they want it to fit in with more of a mature movie tone. That's what this felt like. It was felt like instead of being just a comic and just telling good stories with the characters, because ultimately that's all we really want. We want to just want to watch good Avengers stories that are fun, that use the Avengers characters in interesting ways, and we get to see it on screen. That's all we really want. And so Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, they brought a lot of classic comic stories to life. And that was exciting to watch on the screen. And, if, I mean, Paul, you haven't read a lot of Avengers stories, I'd say, right? Right. I mean, you, you've been more in the modern era with Bendis, but Correct. pre-Bendis, you haven't read a lot of Avengers. So you've actually been exposed to a lot of classic stories just by watching the, the TV series. And I like that it was a, a way of adapting a lot of old stories, telling some new ones too, but also just adapting these classic stories for a whole new audience. I don't feel like that's the aim of the show at all. This show is more... We're going to take the movie-verse characters and we're going to tell more mature or slightly mature movie-verse stories. I don't care about that. I want to, I want to read a comic. I want to see a comic on screen. Yeah. I don't want Hawkeye to be a little bit more like the Hawkeye from yeah. the movie. So, I mean, I the 90s X-Men so good too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're watching basically X-Men Blue. Yeah. I mean, more than anything. I mean, yes, you have some gold characters there, but come on. It's yeah. Jim Lee. It's X-Men Absolutely. Blue. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're getting. That's what everyone wants. Yeah. Uh, every time they tr- try to redo these things, they take away that aspect. Like Wolverine and the X-Men. What was that? I give them credit, actually, for that one, even though I'm not a huge fan of Wolverine and the X-Men, the TV series. They tried something a little bit different. I don't think they needed to try. It was at least more of an X-Men show than X-Men Evolution was. It absolutely me. was, yeah. I mean, a lot of people will defend X-Men Evolution, and I'm, I'm sure some of our, of our listeners will. To me, it just wasn't... That wasn't X-Men. But part of it, I couldn't get... I couldn't get beyond some stupid things like Wolverine being a teacher and Cyclops being a student so frustrating or even wasn't Storm a teacher too Like it was weird it yeah. was just it was a weird I, I, I get the idea they should have just done X-Men First Class do that make it a show I'll watch it if they made that right now I would watch well, that show maybe they should because X-Men needs something on TV really soon yeah they do need something they haven't been, I've been off forever although I do remember uh, when the first X-Men movie came out I remember Fox we started showing the, all the uh, the old episodes again. No, by then the show had only been off the air for two or three years, but it seems like a long time at that point. Yeah. And I remember just like just being so happy there. I remember recording them every day because I'm like, I didn't do this when I was when I was ten. I should have done this, and now I'm recording every single episode because I don't know when this will ever come out on DVD. And it didn't for like a decade. Um, but yeah, we need a new a new X Men show. And yeah, I'm getting off topic from. I know, yeah. Avengers Assemble. Maybe I, I just don't really want to talk about it because I was uh, disappointed. Like, I know. Is it was, that part of what it yeah, is? Yeah, because the wound is... Because we both love Verse Mightiest and the wound is so fresh. A little bit a year off of TV, you know, and we lost that show because of this one. So this one had to deliver for us. Yeah. For us to like it. And one episode in, it hasn't. Again, same issue as Uncanny Avengers. Red Skull is your villain right off the top. Yeah. And uh, I don't dig it. One thing as well, it's it's interesting... I, I guess some part of me is still smarting from the cancellation of Spectacular Spider-Man. Same thing happened. A really, really tight show canceled by a not nearly as good replacement. Yeah. And, and, and that's the same thing we're seeing now. 
it just feels even more egregious now because Avengers are tremendous heroes. Let me forget Spider-Man happened because it was so much better. Like, I thought when Spectacular Spider-Man happened, first of all, I wasn't sold in the artwork when it first came out. But I came to love it and thought, this is actually one of the, one of the better Spider-Man series I've ever seen. I don't know if it can eclipse the 90s for me just because I have nostalgia factor, but it was so good. It told t- like the, a lot of timeless-style stories. It had a lot of creative ideas. They did things in different ways. And then, and then it left, and I was like, oh, that's so sad. And then Avengers vs. Mighty's Heroes really ramped up. Second season was amazing. It made me even forget that Spectacular happened, because it, it became the best you know, Marvel animated thing I'd watched in the last ten years. Absolutely. And then that left, too, and it also got replaced by another shitty replacement. It was just like, come on, guys. Like, animation is a weird field to move in. A lot of shows don't make it that long. Um, I mean, even back in the day, in the 80s, you'd have two or three seasons... Granted, your first season was like 65 episodes, but I mean, sure. you still didn't get the, that many episodes. I'm oh, sorry, that many seasons. So, I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm hoping this will get better. I'm excited that uh, Falcon's on the show, I guess. Why did he get the option of War Machine Armor? I don't know. Where is Rhodey? <laughs> yeah, Seriously. Like, really. It kind of made me wonder, like, yeah. oh, first of all, isn't it Iron Patriot now? Like, maybe that's why? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but we do... You know, I didn't even think about the uh, movie tie-in part of it until you mentioned it just now to be honest it's the first thing I thought of because yeah, he's, he's, right? he's sitting there at the beginning and I'm like okay well come on he at some point gives up the armor he blows them all up we saw that already so that I mean I know I shouldn't get stupid stuff like that catch me up because obviously as much as they wanted to be inspired by the movie verse it's not going to directly tie in the right, right. but they go to certain lengths to make it seem like it is so that's what made me a little bit more irritated uh, and it makes sense that they use Falcon because Falcon's likely going to be at Avengers 2 I mean, he's already been confirmed for Captain America, so uh, it makes sense to, ha- to I'm bring I'm okay him with in. Falcon, whatever. Although his suit being th- that awesome is a little, like, <laughs> a little crazy. But I, I also like the his origin at least makes more sense than it ever did in the comics. Yes. Uh, the, he's actually an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and although he's picking the Avengers over S.H.I.E.L.D., which is kind of weird, and a lot of weird choices. I don't know. Yeah. It, I, I have hope Hello. for it. We've but seen one half hour. I want, well, let's I talk again after episode five or six and see... Yeah. How we feel afterwards. I do feel it did feel very much like it is like well first of all first of all it's written by Man of Action, so Man of Action has written a bunch of the episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man. It did feel I mean I didn't realize it was supposed to take on the exact same universe although I and guess Nick Fury is exactly the same. And, it's and, the same. Yeah, and the yeah. voice the voice of Iron Man is the same one. And actually now that you mentioned it, the way they even personified uh, Nick Fury is very is the exact same. Yeah. Um, I didn't like that sense of humor because it felt very kitty. And actually, did you notice that the entire episode was just them trading insults and barbs at each other? Like, no one seemed to really get along with each other. They were constantly riffing off one another through the entire episode. Like, they weren't friends. They weren't actually working together. They were just constantly being a bit like dicks to each other. I can see Tony doing that, because that's Tony's way of interacting with everybody, is to be a smarmy, sarcastic asshole. That's his thing. Cap, not really. Uh, well, he wasn't in much of the, the first episode. But no. everyone else, like, we didn't get that from Hawkeye in the movie. And again... Hawkeye had no character in the movie. They didn't have time for him. They, no, they had time for him to be a traitor, and that was it. Yeah. Um, anyway, I won't belabor the point, but I'm, I'm hoping it gets better. It has to, right? Can't get worse, can it? Well, well I mean, as long as it doesn't have thought bubbles and, like, and, like stuff like Ultimate yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, there's no place for it there. I hope not. Yeah, there's no place for it. There's no room for it in, in this... Uh, At least Hulk is still good. Although even Hulk looks small, Thor looks small. 
like I, I found like I think that's what threw me off. But again, I am used to the gigantic Thor. But I like that. Like he is he's a god. He's yeah, yeah. massive. Sure. Whereas I felt like this was more realistic a little, for yeah, a cartoon. Yeah, that's fine. And I just didn't need that to be there. David Cage's the voice of Jarvis, eh? I don't even know who that is. The voice of Megatron from Beast Wars. Yeah. No way. Really? Yeah. I did not pick that up at all. Yeah. Did you notice, or did you only notice when I pulled up the cast, or did, could you tell? I didn't based... read the credits at the end. I see it here now. David Cage yeah, and but, but you couldn't tell based on the voice you heard. If I had to go back and listen, I probably you probably him. could. I've, I've met him live at TFCon. Okay. So he he did the Megatron and Beast Wars and did uh, Optimus Prime and Transformers Animated. Okay. So I fantastic do... voice actor. It's a funny guy. Hilarious. I didn't mind the voice of Iron Man. Um, it's Adrian Pazdar who's uh, did you ever watch you watched Heroes yeah he was Nathan Petrelli you know the, the older brother okay the one who flew he's, yeah. he's Tony he, okay. he does an okay job I, I not, liked EMH uh, well, I, yeah I liked all of them better I mean, <laughs> like, except for Hulk because he's the same Thor oh. was really yeah it didn't quite feel right it yeah. felt like um, how he's been written in some of the comics lately when he said stuff in Remender's Run that he shouldn't like about was it getting coffee or a latte or something yeah, some weird lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure and it kind of felt like that version. It kind of said like, "We want to write him like Remender wrote him here because he's a good writer, right?" Not in that arc, he wasn't. It's like, uh, anyway, um, talking about animated series. There's a new Star Wars animated series that was announced. Rebels. How do you feel about that? Same people that made Clone Wars, right? It is going to be the same group. That's kind um, of exciting. Well, at least it's the same people. Yeah, same wheelhouse. Um, I know that now. I know that some of the character design aspect of the Clone Wars wasn't again everyone's cup of tea. But yeah. that, you're going to see that in every type of animated series known to man. I was a huge Clone Wars guy. I bought tons of the toys. Um, I own all of it on Blu-ray. Um, I would like to watch it at some point. It's really you borrowed from me. It's really season two being the strongest yeah. by far. Uh, season three being the weakest because it gave you everything the movies didn't give you. To a certain extent, yes. I, I still feel there's because the beauty of it is as much as you had the core cast of characters, which was Anakin and Obi Wan mm-hmm. and a bit of Padme, they really were able to tell. All kinds of random stories for any type of corner of the universe. They had, they had stories that just dealt with the two droids, 3PO and R2. Oh, really? They had stories that just focused on the clone troopers with no major Jedi characters. That's they did a really nice. good job touching on all kinds of aspects of the, of the Star, Star Wars mythos. They showed Season 3 was heavy in this, um, which was one of its problems, was they talked a lot about the political stuff that happened, that what the war was causing to the galaxy at large, not just the constant fighting. The only problem with it was they showed... like five or six episodes in a row of it. I guess like, okay, give me... What season was this? Three. You know, that's every show's problem. It's usually the third season. Like, sprinkle in some action. Well, the uh, crazier thing, though, is they made episodes that book-ended episodes from season one. Really? Yeah. That was the weirdest thing, right? Like, and they were really good episodes in season one, but, and some of the bookends were nice, but kind of not necessary at the same time. Yeah. So the first half of season three... Were they just held over and just not... Uh, no, them. I think because they did that with X Men in the '90s. There was a bunch of episodes that were way out of order, and they didn't make a lot of sense during based on their original air date. But it was possibly. just because I don't know what the logic was too, but it, it bothered me a bit. Um, season four and five were pretty good, but season two I think was my, my favorite overall. Yeah. But you really well done. You can see the animation and the characters and everything kind of mature as you go. And I told some really good stories. Some other, like one problem they had with season four and five at the tail end of it is that they had a lot of these four and five part runs oh. which the stories were good but some of them like okay we get it get it done already yeah. and then by the time the season's over it felt like you watched like maybe four real long episodes and there's your whole season kind of thing too right? seems like Bendis writing <laughs> I guess so 
right? Um, not, not Stan Lee writing where or, you get like five stories yeah. in an issue. Or, or like Fraction writing was uh, Invisible Iron Man. Oh, Invisible Iron Man, yeah, because by the end it felt like what had happened. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so huge fan of that. So now with Rebels, we don't know a lot yet. We know a lot of the people who worked on it. These are passionate Star Wars guys. So we know it's in good hands in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know who the cast is going to be, who they're going to focus on. Are they still going to keep with the whole... Um, you know, do we know the time frame? This is between episodes uh, three and four. Okay. So this is when the empire is now building itself. Okay. This is when the rebellion is beginning. Uh, hmm. The this uh, era has been very uh, smallly touched on in the Force Unleashed video games. Okay. Um, it has been touched on with a few other novels and other uh, expanded universe kind of content that you can read. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they left. Uh, there's a character called Ahsoka Tano, who's Anakin's apprentice okay. throughout the entire series of Clone Wars. And she doesn't show up in episode three. So when she's introduced way back at the beginning of the series, people wonder, okay, when or how is she going to die? Because she doesn't show uh, up there. That's the big thing. But in the end, she ends up just walking away from the Jedi Order. Oh. So we're led to believe that she could possibly have survived Order 66, and she's somewhere out there in the galaxy, so they can always come back to her within this Rebels okay. thing. So what are they going to do? Are they going to focus on Obi-Wan being the hermit on Tatooine, watching over Luke? Yeah. Um, are they going to show Leia grow and be a teenager? At what year after episode three are they doing this? Are they going to show Vader's ascent to, and, and, and Sidious, mm-hmm. them finding the remnants of the Jedi across the universe and gutting them down? Yeah. Who's going to be the core of the rebellion? Are we going to see Wedge Antilles for the first time and Biggs and, and Mon Mothma form this? Like, Who's going to be kind of the core of this show? We don't know. Yeah. They're talking uh, a lot of the original concept art by um, McQuarrie, I think the name is. Okay. Um, they're going to base a lot of the designs kind of roughly on what you've seen before and roughly what his designs were kind of in the middle because you see the, the genesis of the first X-Wing and TIE Fighter and mm. this and that, right? So a lot of cool concepts, a lot of cool toys they get to play with now in a whole new era of Star Wars. Um, so, you know, they're, they're bridging the gap between an era that Maple didn't really enjoy, but I think, I think Clone Wars really makes up for the prequel movies. If you didn't like the prequel movies, watch Clone Wars. And I think that'll give you a really good appreciation for the younger Anakin. It makes me love Obi-Wan even more. I've always been a big Obi-Wan Kenobi fan. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the real stuff you want to see before 4, 5, and 6 if you really want a good taste of before. Mm. Um, so we'll see what they do here. I think it should be fun. Again, uh, I'm surprised because I thought they're going to be so gung-ho for episode 7. I thought they'd be doing something between be doing 6 and 7. Six. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was surprised when they announced it'd be between uh, 3 and 4. But um... A total aside uh, about episode 7, mm. uh, do you think do you think they would make Ewan McGregor do a ghost version, like a, a spectral version of Ben Kenobi? Because like, Al Guinness is obviously dead. <coughs> obviously. Yes. So he can't do it. Yes. He's not available. Do you think they would actually have him like kind of make him up to look like him? Why not? And, and use them in the segment. Why not? I, mean, I don't. I don't know. I'm just curious. I'm interested to see. Yeah. Again, the in the books, eventually, uh, well, and uh, he does do that with Luke in does the book. It? At one point, he can't anymore after Luke loses that ability to see. Well, yeah. Is that during the? Uh, I forget the name of the book. The book series it doesn't matter. Okay. One of the Star Wars book series. I I remember reading a lot of them when I was younger, and I can't for the life of me remember any. Of them. Anything with Timothy Zahn for Star Wars. I think it's, that was the only ones epic. I read. Yeah, for for his yeah. Anything Timothy Zahn is is amazing. Uh, and we still got what two more years until the next Star Wars movie? Is it 2015 or 2016? 15, I believe. Oh, yeah. it's scary, eh? Because there's a lot riding on that. 
Well, Disney will find out if they spent a good, a good billion or not. It's the brand. They have the brand, right? Yeah. Like, people poo-poo on, on one, two, three, but everyone still wants to see it, right? Yeah, but th- there was diminishing returns. I mean, didn't less people see it? But ticket prices were higher, so it's harder to tell. But I, I feel like less people were probably... People probably went because you have an investment in the trilogy, so you're kind of be like, well, I gotta go and see it. But they're not looking forward to it. Well, based on what Abrams have done with Star, or Star Trek... Um, making it, uh, he's made it, it more Star map. Warsian. Like he's made Star Trek more Star Wars, so it should. Well, be... He had to put some action into it. I know it's not quite your traditional Star Trek, and that's why the Trekkies hate it. Well, right. you know, what, but you know what? Uh, blockbuster. You obviously haven't seen Star Trek two yet, but no. I mean, there are there are more, more. There's more development of moral quandaries there. There's more issues brought in there of certain philosophies and what to do in certain situations, which is uh, a nice harkening back to the original series and the idea that it's not all about action and decisions but also about the thought that goes into that and why we do certain things and when it's morally justified to do certain other things so I mean I'm, and I don't think that spoils anything it's just the idea that there are questions asked that's good and they I, don't just quickly we need more good space battles especially in Star Wars like we, we got a few tastes in Clone Wars but I want to see some really awesome epic a whole episode devoted to an awesome space battle in, in Rebels, if possible. I want to see yeah. a, a Wicked Space battle in Episode 7. What the hell is they going to yeah. do in Episode 7? It's going to be... Well, at least they know it's a trilogy, first of all, going in. Yeah. That's helpful. Because, yeah. obviously, Star Wars, the first one, like he didn't know for sure he was going to have another shot at the can. So And then by, it was a huge success, so he kind of knew he was going to be able to do two more. So, obviously, it's kind of the, the Back to the Future effect. Back to the Future 1 didn't plan on having any more. Then they made two and three basically at the same time, and one led directly into the other. So Empire Strikes Back makes you think, okay, there's got to be another one because this can't be how we leave this. Right. Um, so I'm 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 scared for Episode Seven just because they got to do a lot of heavy lifting to set up a reason for the next trilogy to happen, and I don't know what they're going to pull from the expanded universe, if anything. Uh, expanded universe. They should the expanded they, universe, they should, right? I know. It's not canon, quote unquote. It's, it's not canon yet. But they can make any of it canon. With no, a, absolutely. With, with they just obviously a, have a to, few steals of the, of the keyboard. I, I, I want them to go use the legacy of the previous characters. I don't need to see an old Luke or a recasted Luke. Um, you know, show me their kids. Show me what's happened post-episode 6. That's what I'm hoping for. Who knows what we'll see. Um, you know, I don't need them going back in time and mucking up anything. Like they did in Star Trek. Um, yeah. You know, just roll with the legacy and move forward. You know, the Skywalker saga kind of... I just of don't want to see Death Star finish. 3. <laughs> if, I see, if I see the third Death Star, I'll be like, really? Fuck. No, they, they've done bigger and greater things since the Death Star in, in like, the universe, expanding universe. The super Death Star. So, no? There's a Star Destroyer and a super Star Destroyer. Yes. You're not telling me that someone, that J.J. Abrams isn't tossing and turning at night being like, just like in uh, the uh, the conductor in, uh, in Dumbo and, it, and a mouse is whispering into his ear, Dumbo, Dumbo. But instead, it's Super Death Star. It's so dumb. You never know. They're, they made stupider things. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I'm I'm hoping for some awesome lightsaber battles and a good space fight. Yeah. Now, are you hoping that I am hoping that they go back to uh, having lightsaber fights that are less acrobatic and a little bit more like sword fighty, if that makes any sense? Because you I know, mean, what? Wa- go watch the trailers for Nice Old Republic when that yeah. MMO first came out. Okay. Some epic. Uh, cinematics were made 
okay. for that when like the, the Sith have invaded Jedi Temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a fight with uh, a couple of Jedi in the woods with these troopers and stuff uh, when the Sith yeah. invade this uh, Alderaan-looking kind of planet. Watch those and, and build a movie based on some yeah. of that context. Really impressive stuff. I think I'd also be happy just less CGI. Less reliance on CGI. Actually, Mark Hamill mentions that in an interview, I think, I read. He says, yeah, look at the original trilogy, and I I know at the time all that technology and all that backstage work was revolutionary, Mm. and that's what George was all about, and then then he revolutionized. He continued, he continued to revolutionize, to revolutionize thank yes. you. Uh, the CG realm of things. But yeah, I did get a little bit too heavy in certain regards. I don't, don't want to go back to puppets necessarily, but I think you can find a more happy medium between mm. reality and fantasy. Yeah. Well, especially, like, I remember, I, forget, I think it was, it was episode two, uh, the one with, like, you had a, bun- a lot of Jedi on screen all once doing the battle against the... Geonosis, yeah. Now, my problem with that was it, it just felt like the characters had less weight because a lot of it was didn't feel real like a lot of it was other creatures and it was it was just it it didn't feel like a lot was actually happening whereas back in the day you actually had Darth Vader and Luke actually you know were rattling around with their swords like that's basically what it was and mm-hmm. that it had a more of an immediacy and more of a, a weight to it and felt more exciting whereas as much as I, I did love partially this is because of John Williams but as much as I loved the whole duel of the fates in episode one and the crazy you know acrobatic battles it does, is a little much <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I just want them having a good score battle. Yes, but they they actually took an effort into some very proper choreography with the sword fighting. If you look back at oh, that one, Obi brilliant. Wan versus Darth Vader, Episode Four, oh, that is, is pretty bad. That is no bad. offense to well, it's an old and, man and like a yeah, but they're not like and a robot that's barely moving. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bad. But but in Episode Six, I mean, it's a lot. It's a little bit more. Because was, there's something about it. Some of it is how it was shot, too. Like, there's a part in episode two when Anakin's fighting Count Dooku. Mm-hmm. And all you see is, like, close-ups of their faces and the yeah. lightsabers swinging by them in the color. You don't see any clashing. clash. Like, you see this, this right. flash of color and putting it to a seizure for some strange reason, yeah. right? No, that is, a, that is actually more exciting. Because there's there sometimes the less you show. Because, yeah, the old ones, they couldn't show you anything because they couldn't do anything. So you had, like, the darkness. And you had, you know, in... The, the silhouettes, like isn't it uh, episode five where they had the fight um, on in Cloud City in front yeah. of that window, and then it clashes. Like yeah. a lot of you just you see silhouettes of these people fighting and the flares, and the, it's it's a lot more. Again, it's this more intimate nature of the battle. Whereas when you do have the kind of the crazy flips and everything, you lose a little bit of it. It is more exciting to watch visually, yeah. but you lose a little bit of the suspense. That's just me though. I, I guess so. Like, but you remember in, in the in the prequels, these are trained Jedi in the arts and stuff. True. Whereas when you get to uh, the later episodes, that, again, episode four was a good example, but episode five, uh, Luke never really trained how to use lightsaber. No. Right? He kind of just kind of is winging it. He does all a right. very expert swordsman in Darth Vader who does a much better job in episode five and yeah. six in terms of But he's of a battle. machine, so he's a little slower. I, I was always led to assume that like he wasn't as good as he could have been. Sure. He wasn't. He wasn't like fully human. No, no. At that point, like, yeah, there's a lot of metal. The in the way. You know. Yeah. Although you'd think that they'd have a little bit more sophisticated metal, especially because I mean, like Luke's got a fake hand. Yeah. Seems pretty awesome. Fast response times, but you know, Vader not as much. Uh, moving on from there, we got. Uh, we've had a lot more information, or a little bit more information on Marvel's The Agents of Shield. Yes. Uh, so we got the full pickup for the season. Duh. Everyone. I mean. ABC is Disney, so they'd be stupid not to pick it up. Um, so it's coming out. It's going to air Tuesdays at eight. 
I'm very excited for Tuesdays today. I told Kelly, there's only one new show I want to watch next year because we've kind of made a pledge we're not going to watch. We're going to try to not watch any of the new television shows except for this one. April's stoked about this too, which is nice. Yeah? Yeah. So we've seen a, a preview or yeah. a, a quick trailer of it. Uh, now, one thing I wanted to mention. So we see uh, Don't Touch Lola, right? Um, uh, Phil Coulson saying, you know, don't touch the car, right? Right. Do you think that's the flying car? That's the only thing I could think of. Is is that going to be the car that flies? Because Shield is well known in the comics for having flying, flying cars. cars. Let's hope so. I want Lola to be the flying car. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, J. August Richards, who's previously been on Angel uh, by Joss Whedon, he's playing someone in an undisclosed role. They've kept saying it's not Luke Cage. I know you think it's Luke Cage. It looks like he jumps out of a building at some point. It looks like he's not really injured, and everyone's like, "It's got to be Luke Cage," and they're like, "It's not," but it's somebody. Uh, anyone you hope it is. <laughs> Besides Luke I was going to ask you, who the hell do you think it is? And uh, the, on, uh, the online community seems to think, first of all, it's Luke Cage, but apparently it's not. Okay. Uh, and then they've said maybe it's uh, Night Thrasher, which is an odd choice. Patriot? Uh, that'd be interesting. I hadn't thought of that one, but that one's yeah. good too. Yeah. It was my, my first guess. Yeah, that'd work. Yeah, he's a little old for Patriot, but who cares? Yeah, exactly, right? It doesn't really matter. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just excited that we're going to be able to see a Marvel TV series and hopefully do well and... It has the potential to be anything it wants to be. Like, it could go in so many different directions. Marvel's Men it, in Black, right? Basically, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, the good part is the movies have set that up as these guys who sometimes are spooks to the outside people, but really they're just, you know, they're, they're these peacekeepers. I think basically. having Coulson is, is huge. I think people love Coulson from the movies. And Why, Ray- though? I mean, I love him. Don't get me wrong. Like, I've loved Clark Gregg since 2000, because I, I remember I, he was on a TV show I loved, and he was on the last three episodes of that show okay. as just a no-named character, and if they'd ever got picked up, he would have been in it. And I loved him, and even in, just in that role. So when he showed up in Iron Man, I'm like, mm-hmm. love that guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like uh, I remember Nate, I was talking with Nate, and Nate's like, I don't really care much for Coulson. I'm like, why? Everyone loves him. He's like, I don't. I don't know what it is. Nate doesn't like anything. No, he likes a lot of things. Yeah. So what are you talking about? Uh, he loves the original Iron Man. He just—he, I don't think he has the same affinity for Coulson. I think he appreciates him just fine. fine. But I don't think he loves. No, but him. I, I you need something so that the audience could connect right away. And yeah. Coulson is that centerpiece, and that's nice. And it does connect it to the movies in a really solid way. Exactly. It's like, hey, like everyone will be like, oh, is this the new Avengers movie? No, it's a TV series using the character. Yeah. What? Like, isn't he now, dead? Yeah, LMD or Isn't, not LMD? I don't know which one I want and to which, go with. And which one was LMD if there was one, right? If it was an LMD, it takes it doesn't. It's hard to cheap. It's hard to not cheapen the death in a little bit because he did apparently die. No, I always thought that he didn't die. I was when I first watched it, I was like, they don't actually say he's dead. We know that there's some deceit there anyway because of the the plank. Uh, the Maria Hill mentions the cards. The collectible locker, cards. Yeah. Maria Hill makes mention of that. So it's always kind of there that he could be alive. Yep. Um, so th- he may not actually be dead. Now, I think the movie going public won't be a fan of that because they're like, well, it definitely looks like he died and they didn't show him being alive and the assumption was that he was dead and I think they feel like it cheapens that. If it's a life model decoy, it makes it interesting but also lowers the stakes a little bit for I think that they'll character. they'll clarify in the very first episode what the deal is. So you hope, he's a- you hope it's the real thing or I think this is an album deal on the show? I can be swayed either way. I would rather the real thing, I think, at the end of the day, though. Yeah? Yeah. It makes more sense. No, and that would assume that a life model decoy is the one that died? Or yeah. they, or that he survived his injuries? I would rather he survived his injuries. Because at least then it, it, it makes it more yeah, like that, he did I, get I injured. Angle too. Sure. And then Fury just took it a little farther because he... Sure. Impl- 
knew yeah. that motivation. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. knew put. And to be honest, that makes sense because um, I mean, at some point they got to break away from Shield. It br- reminds me of the. I don't know if you've ever read the Heroes Reborn version of uh, of Avengers. Have you ever read it? A long, long time ago. It doesn't look good. It doesn't read that well. But I mean, the idea is that you know, Shield brings together this team. They're the Avengers, and then they break away from Shield, and then Iron Man bankrolls them, and then they become. Oh, it's all coming together. I think I... the more the more Avengers that we know in the comics. But at the start, they were bankrolled by Shield, kind of like an Ultimates thing, and you know that they were very much like a military organization organized by Nick Fury as in the as the Ultimates. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of sow the seeds of distrust so that in Avengers 2 they kind of break away from Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. because obviously they don't necessarily trust them all that much. Especially uh, especially Tony, but especially because they didn't come to his defense or help at all. I mean, you got this big threat going on against the president. Don't need no, S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. is nowhere to be found. That would be their first thing. The, the first thing would show up on their docket that day. Oh, the president, he's been threatened. Okay, let's deal with it. Air this. Force One under attack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you don't think the helicarrier should have like come out of the sky and it should have been there. I know it. That's the, the downfall to them trying to make it Iron Man's own thing was you've established the bigger universe and now you, you kind of took it away from the third movie. The problem was, wasn't making trying to do an Iron Man centric story in an Avengers universe. It was making the threat so big yeah, that yeah. it's stupid that Shield isn't involved. I don't. You're right. The Avengers wouldn't be involved in this. No, not, it wouldn't be Avenger level at all. No, but no. it would be. This is this is not even like a question. It's this a, is Shield's it, thing. Yeah, it's a terrorist attack against America. I mean, yes. isn't part of their name Homeland Security? Like, isn't it kind of wedged in that an acronym now? Yeah. Like they should be there. And anyway, speaking of Avengers, uh, obviously we have a little bit more information coming out. Every, seems like every day as uh, Whedon has gone on Jimmy Fallon and he was talking about how they are going to have Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in the next movie at least in the treatment that exists right now they are supposed to be characters he's confirmed it so that it kind of makes people think more that it's not just it could be but it's going to happen now yeah. uh, so the big kerfuffle that came out last week was Brian Singer tweeted uh, I don't know if did you see the tweet that no I haven't seen that one uh, no they edited it originally he said before he was an Avenger he was just a very fast kid and they announced the casting of this I forget the actor's name as Quicksilver in Days of Future Past which comes out in 2014 and then uh, they edited the tweet and now it, it took out the Avengers comment and now it just says he's been cast as Quicksilver and so there's a lot of people wondering like you know why he did that why he referenced Avengers at all there's a lot of questions on First of all, I mean, a year or two ago, um, the Kevin Feige, Feige the uh, head of Marvel Studios, was basically talking about where the rights lie. And it, that kind of existed for both. Uh, but that if the they use Quicksilver or Scarlet Witch in Avengers, they can't reference Magneto. They can't reference them being mutants. But they can be there. It's just an odd... Because they're one of the, some of the only characters that exist in two different kind of areas where they're very much Avengers... But very much X Men characters, and it's very strange. And then they can't yeah, make leg- pretty big legacy on both sides. Yeah, and yeah. I guess I mean there's been no mention of Scarlet Witch, so I guess they're going to have Quicksilver in Days of Future Past, but then not have his sister. How much can they reference? Obviously, they can't reference him being an Avenger at all. That's just, e- that's easier to do. On it's much easier side. to use. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, it's unfortunate though because I feel like Josh Whedon's version of Quicksilver would be much more in line with any version of the comic book version because he's. He just he's built that way. He's 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 made a movie that's been very reverent to the comic book history of his characters, and yet tells them in an interesting way for movie audiences. Brian Singer has a track record of making X Men movies work for the public, but 
making a lot of the fans of the characters in the comics cringe in pain. I'm, t- I'm talking, especially Nate in this respect. He just ha- he hates the X-Men movie universe. He's like, and I, I can't fault him for it because he's like, you have these great characters and they keep taking the ideas of the characters and then doing something weird with them mm. instead of just hewing to the, the spiritual essence of these characters in a lot of the ways. I mean, Sony does weird things with Spider-Man, but I feel like they, they keep the spirit of the character for the most part intact. So I'm okay with the changes. But some of the X-Men characters, I don't think they've necessarily done that. Uh, I'm really scared of that of Days of Future Past, though, because I really love First Class. It was a big departure from a lot of continuity. It was also a major departure from previous X-Men film continuity, but I still liked it, and it just it felt like it had a, a sense of humor about it. It was a pleasant surprise. It, it, it was fun. It was fast and loose, but whereas Brian Singer tried so hard to make the, his, his, well, I guess his two movies, very serious in tone. Everything was serious. Avengers showed that movie, uh, well, Iron Man and the Avengers movie universe have shown that co- that comic book movies can be fun. They don't all have to be serious, you know, fast uh, things like X Men or even Batman, where everything was so serious all the time. Why so serious? Yeah, yeah, obviously. But whereas with the Avengers movie, it's been so much fun. So I'm scared to use the future past because Brian Singer's back, and I'm sad about that because I love Vaughn's take on First Class. He should be the one doing Days of Future Past, not Singer. Singer's too serious. He's too heavy-handed. He doesn't know how to make a fun movie. Plus, if you look at all the casting, everyone is from the old movies. There's no Banshee. He's not in the movie. He's already clarified he's not in the new movie. Havoc doesn't appear to be in the new movie. So all the new characters we just took all the time to establish, not in. Everyone from the old trilogy, they're back. What the hell? Except for Beast. We have young Beast back. Hmm. It just Doesn't that kind of bug you at all? Or I don't know... Or you've not given it as much deep analytical thought as I have. You know, you know what? This is the way I look at it. I I was okay with X-Men 1. I really love X-Men 2, X-Men United. Yep. 3 was a nightmare because Stupid Single left to do a crappy Superman movie. We got a crappy Superman movie and a crappy... Yeah, we didn't get anything good that year. So, right? <laughs> this is your chance to make up for it all and make a wicked... Daisy Future Past adaptation. That's all I gotta say. And I, I hope they make it a good adaptation and not just, again, spiritual elements of that story. Daisy Future Past, using that name, is a huge move. It is a huge If move. you know, I mean, even a little bit about X-Men, you know about, because that's one of the biggest time travel storylines in comics. Like, that's the first dystopian... That's a big thing these days is all time travel everywhere. Oh, in the Marvel Universe. They've said that they're, they're coming to a point where that's going to be addressed. Mm. Because there's so much time travel in the Marvel Universe these days. Like, it's kind of way too much. I mean, yeah. the all new X-Men needs it. A lot, um, a, well, Kang has always needed it. But, I mean, a lot of Age of Ultron, time travel. Mm, exactly. Uh, getting Angela. Maybe she's about time travel. She's time traveling and dimension hopping from the <laughs> Spawn universe in a weird new Joe Posada costume. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm nervous about Days of Future Past. Uh, they have very right to be nervous about it, but uh, I'm hoping that... Uh, it's more because of Singer more than anything else. You think so? Yeah. Because I don't, know, I don't know if he can make a good X-Men movie now. He was doing X-Men movies back before... Uh, people realize that you could make comic book movies that weren't ashamed to be comic book movies. Uh, as Amber would probably say, he's a he's a he's a comic book apologist. He doesn't really like comics. He likes the ideas in the comics, so he'll make movies based on the ideas, but not based on the comics. So I'm hoping that someone was like that. Mark Millar, who's a creative consultant on all these non Marvel Studios properties, is whispering in his ear, being like, "No, no, X Men does this." Because, he, I mean, he's a weird guy to get advice on because he's very bombastic and crazy with his yes. ideas. But at least he's written Marvel Comics. He's written X-Men, or at least Ultimate X-Men. 
and Ultimate X-Men yeah, like, that would be but, a good movie but sometimes you have you know that would be actually but uh, oh, that first dark the tomorrow people yeah. that is a great movie I know it is it has twists it has turns Cyclops joining the X, the Brotherhood what the fuck yeah, like, Wolverine taking care of Jean right away yeah um, crazy but you know look at uh, Green Lantern you got tons of DC people all over that and yeah. it's a nightmare so I don't yeah, know. well it's not Marvel Studios Marvel Studios is smarter much smarter than anything that DC can put together. Well, absolutely. There's the just the success m- of the uh, the Ventures franchise right now speaks for itself. Yeah, well, and again, a lot of that's about tone, too. I think they wanted to make a Green Lantern too serious. Like, I think they try to make it too dark and too serious, whereas it should be more of a lighthearted romp. It shouldn't be a Jack Black comedy like they originally said years ago, but, it, I mean, Green Lantern could be a fun movie, but you have to allow it to be fun. Like, First Flight isn't the greatest animated movie. But that would have been a better movie than what we got. Uh, even if you'd just done the... Uh, what the what was it called? Emerald Knights? Emerald Knights. That would have been okay. That would have been a weird movie because it's... The main character's barely in it, but I mean... Many stories, yeah. Yeah. Um, and one other thing I wanted to, to talk about as well is uh, video games. Deadpool games coming Sorry. up. Sorry. I oh. guess to bring it back to Quicksilver. Quicksilver, um, yeah. Are, are we okay? It's a different actor playing the part. Because that's no. going to be weird. No, don't care about that. That's strange, though. Whatever. I, I, see, I'm oh, sorry. I want to go back to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about that. Because, or uh, how are movie-going audiences? Because movie-going audiences, I mean, they, they know the Marvel logo more than they know the Marvel Studios logo. Like, it's, it starts out the same, but then instead of, it says Marvel, then Studios. Okay, well, let me, let me stop you here before we get too far. Yeah. Do, do we know, are we getting young Quicksilver, old Quicksilver? No, we don't. Right? We don't so, know which version we're Exactly. Getting. So if you get old geezer Quicksilver from the future, or you get a young new recruit Banshee-esque Havoc yeah. character, doesn't matter if it's a different actor, right? Yeah, I'm wondering. Have in, in his prime in Avengers, right? Yeah, I'm wondering in the days of future past. I'm wondering how old Magneto's going to be at that point, because I mean, and who's Quicksilver's mom going to be? I don't know. There's a lot of questions because originally Magneto had a like had a child, and it was before he had powers, the first child, and then. I guess she was pregnant again when she took off because she was scared that he killed a bunch of people. Uh, him and Emma, dude. I don't know. Who knows? Him and Emma. Oh, yeah, and Emma's not in the new movie either. Weird. Yeah, like, he, he gets Emma Frost to be on his side, and she's not... Like, I, that's what makes me not so sure about this movie because it's shaping up more and more to be more of a sequel to the original trilogy as opposed to a sequel to a great movie, First Class. I, I, I wasn't enjoy. aware to the, all the lack of First Class stuff until you mentioned it today, so you have me kind of weary now, but... Because it's a okay. singer doing things that he wants with his cast. Yeah, yeah. And okay. it's not Vaughn having... I Have you seen the picture of uh, Charles Xavier in his 70s hair, though? I, and, I know it's long hair. I haven't seen long it. Long hair, man. This looks a little weird just because I kind of like... Well, I'm glad he's not bald yet. I'm glad they're playing with that. But I don't know. I just found he's a little too old to be in that movement. Okay. Anyways, point. going back to my original question, I yes. want to hanker back. Are we okay with... Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch being new characters over, let's say, the Pims and Van Dyne combination that we thought um, we'd have, or a different different event, Black Panther or other Avengers. Why 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 bring how these two mutants come in? Actually, uh, I think Joss Whedon kind of referenced this in either in one of his statements or when he was on Jimmy Fallon. I can't remember which one. Like, is Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch going to be his uh, Simon River? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he he made mention that. A lot of the power, the power sets of the in the first movie were very punchy, and I, I guess I'm more excited about seeing. Like, it'd be cool to see Giant Man, but first of all, I'd rather have Ant Man happen as a movie first, 
which is but it's oh, coming yeah, he's out, getting the one but it's coming that out floors me he's getting a movie as I'm excited about that but it's coming out after Avengers 2 so they might maybe set up him as a scientist and then he'll have his own movie maybe they'll do that but I don't want to see him as like, first of all if you could be giant why bother being ant sized so it makes sense to start with the ant well really right like do I want to ride you know like a fly or, or, or you know walk around with ants or talk to them or do I want to be like giant and smack people like that's pretty badass so I feel like that's I'm okay with them not having them in there they're already not a founding Avengers so there's no real incentive to have them in there plus I think uh, it's more interesting visually to have Quicksilver on screen and the things you could do with Scarlet Witch would be a lot more interesting visually as well because Wasp I mean you can give her her bioelectric blasts or whatever but they're not visually all that appealing mm-hmm. um, and her and Hank do very much the same thing they're just changing size especially in the Marvel comics now because they both go big and they both go small whereas with Scarlet Witch you, you, I don't even know how they're going to handle probability altering and hexes and like what kind of energy effects are we going to see like that there's, that excites me more as a viewer because I have no idea what that's going to look like but I want to see and Quicksilver We've seen super speed done in different ways in different mediums, but not usually in. Um, well, I mean, they don't do a lot of super speed with Superman, and they do more during flight, but not usually during running. Mm. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. I mean, it might be the closest we ever get to having a Flash because God knows Warner Brothers can't get their act together. I'd love to see a Flash movie, but I'm gonna see Pietro on screen first. So I'm excited to see how they play with that and showing how his power is. I'm hoping he's a dick like he was in the Ultimates. Where he's like, you know, you know, just slow down the feed. You know, I was there. I love that. I remember reading that when I read Ultimates 1 and 2. I was like, that's so badass. Um, so I'm hoping it'll be like that. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm hoping Falcon makes the cut too. I'm hoping he makes the jump over from, uh, from uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. And actually, it'd be cool if Winter Soldier's on the team. Why not? Throw Bucky on there. Yeah, that's fine. But then you get cavalcade of too many... Yes, but then you can either right? kill off some of them or you can then phase them out for the next movie. Mm. So that they don't need to be there for Avengers 3. You set up enough of a framework. It's kind of like watching Avengers vs. Mighty Heroes. They didn't all show up. You have them all. No, I know, but you had a whole seasons of Metal Wolf episodes. I know. one movie of a few hours, right? I know. You already had kind of Hawkeye and Widow already quasi in the background, right? Yeah. You choose two, three new more characters. Where does that put them in there even further back? A little bit. Right? Yeah. As much as I love Hawkeye, he doesn't work as well. Like, he works more in a cartoon where you can have him do more outlandish things. But it's harder to make him work in the comic book universe, or in the movie universe, because it's very real world. I mean... He gets to deal with the bow. Yeah. yeah he, at the end of the day, he's just a guy with a bow. Now, they did a good job in Avengers showing how that works, mm-hmm. and having him still have an important... And the idea that he does have really great, like, kind of eyesight and the tactical idea, and him being kind of the guy up in the crow's nest great concept and I really liked it but at the same time he's relatively limited when you bring in a god godlike creature like Thanos it's one thing in the comics it's a very other thing in, in, in kind of watching real life and maybe one that life. can hex up some of his arrows to something damage, yeah. Yeah. although the one thing I'll be sad that we don't get to see but maybe Avengers 2 will get to see it is having him launch an arrow with Ant-Man on it and then he jumping off and, get, and becoming full size and punches someone in the face because that would be they amazing. Yeah. Like, I've seen it in the cartoon now. I've seen it in the comics. Yeah. I want to see that actually happen. That's, because that's video, like, I've seen, it, in, special, right? I've seen yeah. it happen in video games now. Like, I just I just want to actually have it happen in the movies. Because that is one of Hawkeye's few signature moments. Yeah. And Ant-Man, for that matter. I mean, Ant-Man doesn't have a lot of, you know... Oh, that was a great Ant-Man moment. Maybe it should be in his movie, Ant-Man's movie. Well, I mean, have you you've seen the test footage of, Iron, of Ant-Man, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we should that's see that. Charming. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. It is just test footage, so it's rough. 
but it gives you an idea of this is how badass he could be. I'm wondering if it'll be Hank, if it'll be Scott, or maybe even Eric. Who knows? But maybe they'll involve them all in some way. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, they kept saying for years they're in like, a yellow jacket somehow. <laughs> God and Goliath. Uh, they talked for years that if they did a Flash movie, that they might have Wally be the Flash and maybe make references to Barry. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, so Deadpool, has a game coming? You buying this? Well, it's made by High Moon Studios, and I'm a big fan of their Transformer work. So there's a plus there. Oh, is it? Are they the ones who did? Uh... Yeah. Oh, I did the Fall and Work for Cybertron. I didn't realize that exactly. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I know they're reputable in that regard. I, I'm with Nate on this. Nate brought this up when the game was first released because of Deadpool's ridiculous schizophrenic co- uh, mind and the way he works. How cool in the game if you flip from you know the slicey dicey third person action game that we mm-hmm. I've seen so far and suddenly go into this weird eight bit side scroller for a quick level or, or a quick mini game yeah. or something just to do some wacky stuff in it. Um, from what I've seen, all we see is pretty much going to be a really bland third-person hack 'em, slash 'em, shoot 'em kind of gory death or, or, or vivid death kind of stuff. Kind of like uh, X Men Origin Wolverine. Yeah, it was kind of very forgettable. It was kind of fun because it was kind of over the top silly, but after a while, it got old. Yeah, and yeah, I, 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 as much as it's neat that they're even putting a Deadpool game together, I feel like it's a mistake. I feel like it's something that. It's kind of like reading Deadpool comics these days. Like, it's not special. It's not fun anymore. It just feels like it's a lot of the same because he's gone from being this character who was fun at times or had a weird, twisted sense of humor to being more outrageous, just slapstick humor, where it's very yeah. base humor. And they're going for the laugh all the time. Lots of fart jokes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Daniel Way, I like some of his stuff in Deadpool, but after a while, I just kind of felt like, wow, how many more ways can you say the same thing? Yeah. Uh, whereas when Joe Kelly was writing it, it was quite different. It was Joe Kelly, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. When he was writing it, he had a... There was a more sinister edge to the character, but, I mean, so there was some humor, but he was also competent. And then, instead, nowadays, it feels like Deadpool's very incompetent. And then everyone kind of treats him that way, and that he, he's not... He doesn't really have a reputation anymore. Like people treat him like it's a joke. In the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and, I haven't read any of the Marvel Now stuff of him yet. Um... So I don't know where he's at now, but yeah, I felt like he has a big boom and had like eighteen ongoing books at one point, and then suddenly I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it was just really weird, and that's when the game got announced too during that boom. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Like, I do like Deadpool; he's still one of my favorite characters. I have a big statue from my house, like awesome statue. Um, very fun. And next to cables, even better. And uh, some of my Iron Man modular armor statue. I'm dying for that thing to finally come out. Oh yeah, should have been out. When did that get announced? A while ago. Yeah, yeah. It's been pure to forever. So it says due out in May, but May's almost over, so we'll see what happens. But uh, I didn't realize you love the modular armor that much. I love it. Yeah. Nate does too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think you can tell when you started liking Iron Man as a character based on the armor uh, in a big way. Like Some people like the Scarlet Centurion armor. Well, you know, the, they liked it around Armor Wars in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, if you like the modular armor... You probably liked it because of Marvel's Capcom. Exactly why. That's the reason. Exactly why. Right? It was from the video games for sure. It wasn't the biggest. I mean, Iron Man wasn't the most popular comic, so I mean, that's usually yeah. why people like that. But, uh, anyways, I digress. Uh, yeah, like this is something I'll probably get after a year or two when it's you know twenty bucks, whatever. Yeah. Um, Can't wait that long, eh? Yeah. I, would, I'm in no rush to get I, it. I do feel like it'll go down really quickly. I don't think it's going to keep its price. I think it, you give it even three or four months, I feel like it's going to be in a discount bin. I just don't th- I don't have a lot of high hopes for it, which is sad because I want it to be a good movie. Uh, sorry, a good book. Game. Um, game. Damn it. 
Kept, kept giving the wrong wrong media. Again, I think the game will be solid and the gameplay will be good. I think there'll be some fun stuff to it, but I think it might become ridiculously repetitive because you're only Deadpool, right? At least Transformers, you have different characters you can yeah. be transformed and fly. There's a lot really good story to be told, so Hyman's mm. good at that. They're very good to be loyal to the content, but without some wacky zaniness and a total flipping gameplay and stuff that Nate suggested, I think mm-hmm. that would have been a total idea, ideal thing to do with this game, which yeah. I've seen no signs of. Yeah. Um, I think it would be, be a very straightforward third-person action game, mm-hmm. which it still may be a good game, but maybe nothing that, if you're not a fan of the character... Yeah, you don't need it. You don't need it. No. Uh, Nolan North, you like him as the voice? Yeah, he did the game of Ultimate Wars for Capcom. Yeah, and he did the uh, voice in Hulk versus. Yes. Uh, oh, Sabretooth! Yeah. yeah. My favorite line in the whole thing. I, I'm, hilarious. I'm not so sure how I feel about him doing the voice because I, I liked him doing the voice, but I, sorry, I should retract that statement. It's, <laughs> my worry isn't about him doing the voice, it's about the script he's given to do the voice. Mm. As I'm, I'm worried it'll be, again, because the, the game is written by Daniel Way, right? Am I wrong? Like, am I just. I just have this weird assumption in my mind that he's the one doing it. Uh, I just feel like I, I'm scared of it being silly. This, the, the script being silly so that it will be what we end up, I, and I, I want it to be kind of I, again I want it to be that Joe Kelly darker sense of humor but not being so silly and dumb whereas in the most recent games we've seen a lot of kind of the silliness as opposed to funny but not stupid and who's he going to fight who's, where are the villains going to be I think if, like there will be tons of faceless mercenaries and goons he'll slice and dice and have fun with but yeah well at least he's a guy who it makes sense for him to go up against a lot of I hope Bob is in there I hope so. I mean, I don't, Bob I, from High Bob, 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 yeah. I'm just looking up. Even Weasel or Blind Al and some of yeah. the other supporting cast. Uh, Daniel Way wrote the script. Okay. So that's good at least. Uh, I'm trying to just find out what kind of. Uh, they've confirmed Domino, Wolverine, Cable, Rogue, Red Hulk, Mr. Sinister, and Marauders, Arclight, Blockbuster, Vertigo, Riptide, and Psylocke are in the game. Oh, yeah. So, well, Cable's got to be in some way. Yeah, well, yeah. These days, you can't really talk about Deadpool without having Cable there. It's interesting. When did, when did they become synonymous with each other? Because they appeared around the same era, but they didn't really... Well, they're both lifelike creations, aren't they? Yes, they yeah. are. But they didn't cross paths that often. I mean, they did originally in, in X-Force. But then, I think after that, I don't think it was years later. Like, I, I, everyone thinks of them together because they were created within the first year I guess so. of uh, Life I've always Hulk. known them as being connected, so it just seems natural. That's why I had the two statues. It just, it yeah, well, I know they had the Cable Deadpool book, but I think that was one of the first major times they were ever really together hmm. and co-starring together. And now, yeah, it's hard to imagine them without each other. Hmm. Uh, all that being said, they haven't been together in a while anyway, ever since because Cable was dead, and then he wasn't. And then he was... Yes, there, that's yeah, a, that's yeah, a whole yeah. other, whole other podcast. Right Don't want to talk about Cable. Uh, any uh, any final thoughts? Anything else you had on your mind you wanted to chat about? I think we nailed it pretty good. I think yeah. we did. No, I think we did a, a, a wide range of topics. So we'll have to. Uh, I think our the last time we did a comic comic talk episode was episode two. Wow. So right. maybe we should do it more often than uh, every eighty episodes. Probably. Especially as the uh, the uh, podcast will be going on a different schedule, so getting eighty episodes in will be a lot harder. Yeah. Well, since we finish on a video game here, Dan, because you want to talk anything at all about video you can talk about it i can talk about i don't know anything about it i I didn't um we're talking basically about the fact that last generation of consoles basically right now xbox they made their big reveal the xbox one which uh as far as i've been able to absorb and what my stepson tells me after watching their press conference it was a big flop 
Okay. Um, now, why is that? Because I, I, didn't, I didn't watch it. About yeah. an hour before it started, Leon called me. He's like, you got to watch this. You got to. And I'm like, dude, I'm at work. I, I yeah. do not care. I'm a PS3 guy. Sorry, Sony guy. Why do I care? He's right. like, you should just try it anyway. I didn't. So I don't know well, when. That's fine. I, yeah, I caught the very tail end of the conference. And then I, I talked to my uh, to Sean. And I, talk, and I saw some of the follow articles afterwards. Um, so essentially, um, their take and someone forgive me if I'm wrong here, is this is the one machine you need to do everything in your household, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's almost more, at, at least for this particular press conference, they were pitching it more as an entertainment device rather than a gaming device. Okay. They, they preview a lot of gaming stuff, and they were saying they're saving the gaming juice for E3. Does this feel like a lot like when right? the PS3 first came out? It was more... The you know media device as opposed to a gaming. Like. I suppose, right? Like so, they did a lot of things. They, they, they caught up with PS, the PlayStation. They threw a Blu-ray player in now, right? Ooh. Um, the, the <laughs> controller, beat them there, yeah. Right? The controller is pretty much the same kind of deal. Um, the box is this huge rectangular beast with uh, a new, brand new Connect, right? And they're yeah. trying to push Connect so you can you know. Um, open your hands and, and kind of do motions to change your channels and, and do stuff like a, do, a virtual touchscreen kind of thing I do think that's neat only because it makes me think of the movie Minority Report, Report yeah, yeah, and yeah. I loved it there yeah. and anything that gets me so, close to Minority Report there's some awesome. novelty stuff they're doing some big connection with the NFL where you can sync up your fantasy draft team and as you're watching the game your fantasy draft team will pop up and sail while you're doing your fantasy draft wow so I do big, not care at yeah, all yeah you don't of course not <laughs> if you're a big fan that's fine yeah um, you know their big gaming announcement at the very end was Call of Duty Ghost which all consoles get anyways and I never already knew about that remember we get your exclusive download content first a whole two weeks or a month yeah. before anyone else woohoo to be fair um, if you're a big fan of the franchise that matters if, to you. yeah if all you do is shoot people all day that's that's your thing. That's fine. I'm but, sure Sean does. <laughs> he doesn't care. Um, anyway, so again, I'm not an Xbox person myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing they finally kind of woke up and realized that um, they're gonna finally do more exclusive content for the box. Okay. So there's maybe like 15 titles. Uh, so I guess they don't have very on. many. Do exactly. They? they don't. Gears of War and Halo are the two biggest. I would say they have. I think there's. A, uh, not Project Gotham, Forza, one, one racing game. Like okay. Gran Turismo was Sony's, and yeah. there's another one for Didn't they Xbox? recently announce uh, Gran Turismo 6? I feel like it got announced like a week or two ago. I don't know. Well, I mean, everyone kind of assumed that eventually it would be coming. Yeah. I think I've, I'm yeah, over it now. But Xbox has very few... Like you, like, you had Mass Effect and Fable and games like that, but some of them eventually trickled into other consoles yeah, now, so now, yeah. um, that doesn't matter as much anymore. So they're kind of... You need a reason to buy the box, and exclusive games is why people buy the content. If I can get the same game for either system, you know, what's the point, right? Yeah. It, it boils down to, it's always content. You can push a gaming system all you want and give it all the bells and whistles and knickknacks, mm. um, but if you don't have the content, the content who cares? Well, that's right? the problem with the Wii U right now. It's right? problem with the Wii U right now. Exactly. They don't have any content. I, uh, it's not. They have content. They, they launched well, but now it's made a big lull in content. Right? Nothing new has come out in forever. Mm. If you're waiting for the next big game yeah. uh, to do it, and now I think now that both of their developers have kind of tipped their hand, like because Wii U sales have been flat. Right? There was a little bit of hype. People picked them up right away, but now I think people are waiting to see how do they all stack up, and now which one do I pick? Because <sighs> People, mo- the average person owns two or three consoles. Is that, is that yeah. true? Actually, I guess that's true. I mean, even me, I have a Wii, Wii and a PS3, yeah. so I have two. The, it helped because the Wii was insanely affordable anyways, Yeah. so it was really easy for people to get, to get that. Um, I don't think people will make the same, not, I don't want to say mistake, but the same uh, 
dual purchase again. Because mm. um, <laughs> Nintendo has been behind for a few generations, yeah. in my opinion, right? Like, SNES was by far my favorite console almost of all time, and their yeah. best console. It was much better than Genesis right? at the time. Exactly. Everything but looked like the it had 64, more polish. The GameCube and the Wii have all fallen short from their competitors mm. uh, over the last little while. And a lot of that's because of the content. They weren't they weren't getting all the games, um, so that's why I you know, I totally picked up a PlayStation One because of Final Fantasy Seven. Mm. You know, it wasn't on my sixty four. Damn it, I'm playing my Final Fantasy, and I'm going there. Yeah, right. Um, it is interesting that back in the day, like you 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 had to get a system, a certain system, in order to get a game. Yeah, it, it's, it's such an antiquated notion now because yes, there are some exclusives, but not like it used to be. Like not I many, like I remember like again, I missed out on a generation or two because I my dad didn't let me get the system, but. I remember playing, like, different versions of, like, an Aladdin video game on, like, Genesis and Super Nintendo. Completely different games. And I'm yeah. like, oh, why isn't it the same game? No, they don't do that. That's not that's not the way it's done. Yeah. But now it's, like, the fact that for most games you can go in any system. Crazy. Like, I, I would, if you told me that, like, 15 years ago, I'd be like, I don't understand what you're saying to me right now. Yeah. P.S. What? What's, what's PlayStation? What's Sony? Sony? Actually, nah, it was probably around 15 years ago, but still. So we'll see what happens here. Like I have a Wii U, my wife got one for Christmas. I, you know, I would have waited, but um, I probably got one down there anyways. Because I'm a big Nintendo fan. I love all the big Nintendo games, yeah. the Zelda's, the Mario's, the Metroids. Uh, I couldn't live without those. Um, and though I've been disappointed with some of the stuff from Nintendo, I will continue to support them because I'm a blind follower, I guess. Mm. Um, you know, and I was hoping that the Wii U would. Um, I think there'll be a gap again. I don't think it'll be as substantial as we had from the first Wii to PlayStation 3. I think there's maybe some mistakes in terms of the Wii U, in terms of the branding of it. Yeah. They didn't push it well enough. I barely saw any advertising relief for it. Like if I was oblivious to the world of internet gaming and, and keeping tabs on the news, what, where were the commercials? Where was the hype? Yeah, you know, yeah, marketing-wise, right. I don't remember seeing much no. you know, on, my, uh, on my front. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV, so maybe it's my own fault. I don't know. No, no, I, I, I haven't seen a lot of Wii U either. Yeah. I, if anything, I don't remember seeing much of anything. So, because I know they're going to... When Wii came out, you saw a lot. Yeah, I know they're going to push the PS4 and Xbox in your face once we get closer to launch for those two consoles, right? Yeah. Um, so, I think there'll be a gap. I don't think it'll be as extreme. Like, they were showing some of the cool stuff they can do with the new engines and new horsepower that yeah. these new machines have for the PlayStation 4 and the new Xbox. Like, they're very comparable in terms of what they can do together, right? The new Makes engines sense. that people are doing for it. But um, there was a big dip. I don't think the dip will be... I don't, you won't see the individual hair follicles on the arm of your Call of Duty guy shooting people on the Wii U version than you will on the PS4 version, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think the Wii U will still give people a more affordable option. It still has the uniqueness of the tablet controller. Yeah. Neither company had done anything to really counter that. No. However, I do foresee some serious Vita PS4 connectivity as a possibility to counter that if they want to go that route. Mm -hmm. As much as the Vita won't be able to handle anything high-end uh, PS4 graphically in terms of playing a PS4 game on your Vita, because yeah. it would melt your Vita, I would assume. Can't even handle PS3 games. Exactly. But what it could do is it could easily be a map, uh, information screen, and items, yeah. a menu listing, something very simple to correspond with the game that's on screen. Oh, totally. That'd be very right? exciting. So I think it, it, it can do half of what the, the gamepad can do for Nintendo. Um, so, you know, and Nintendo launching the, the virtual library that I can also play on my gamepad off mm -hmm. TV. There's a lot of really cool stuff that the Wii U can offer so I'm still happy I have one. Yeah. Um, it'll catch up. The 3DS, right, yeah. had a very crappy start. 
mm. and they had to do a huge price cut to, to do it to yeah. get it back on brink. But now it's huge. I think that the handheld system Nintendo still owns that market by none. Yeah. I think the biggest deterrent for handheld gaming has been more cell phones and like like and, yes. and tablet gaming rather than the Vita. To be honest. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, I can go to the store today and I can pick like eight 3DS games, maybe one Vita game. You know, yeah. that I would want to buy right now and, and, and pop it. They haven't done a good job populating the Vita game list at all. No. Like, I was really excited when I got one. I was getting it not really for the games, but I was getting it more for, like, a functional reason because I, I needed something to come keep me awake on my commute. So, and for, for that, it was great. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a good was, piece of hardware. But what, what's... Bit of a give me, give me one killer game that makes you buy the system. There aren't any. Yeah. I've enjoyed some games I played on there quite a lot, but there weren't... Uh, a lot of them have been downloadable games. The first game I went and got right away was Mega Man X Hunter, an old PSP game, which yeah. is a rehash of Mega Man X. That's the first game I won because I'm a huge fan of it. And I, oh my god, I can play this now. Yeah. And I want to get Dissidia Final Fantasy. I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. Again, mm. a PSP game. Yeah. You know, an older game. I could buy the. It sucks. I could buy the disc used at EB right now for like ten, nine or ten dollars. Yeah, we got to download twenty bucks on the stupid store. Or yeah, that is the unfortunate part. I, 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 when I, I wish I had a PSP just for uh, some of the old uh, um, Ultimate Alliance games. Because they had characters. Oh there. yeah, a few actually characters. Yeah. Yeah, like I wish that so. that, that they would re- redo that so that I could download on my Vita. That'd be so awesome. I'd buy that. I'd, I'd pay twenty bucks. I don't even care if you're using some of those characters. Yeah. It'd be. It's like playing a different game. It's and true. Plus, I I would be able to accept the limitations on graphics because I'm playing it on my handheld. And for some reason, mentally, I'm more okay with that than you know playing a PS2 game now. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I can't do it. It that looks ugly. Sense. But if you shrink it down, it looks so much better. Yeah. So we'll see what the next generation of gaming has in store. Um, I'll probably end with the PS4 down the road. Again, I'm, I've never been an Xbox guy. Nothing that I've seen or read about post uh, their press conference or Xbox One gets me excited. You know, yeah. Connect was a joke for a 360. They're trying to push it even harder now for this thing. I don't see it. I'm yeah. not for it. Again, PS4. When do you think you're gonna buy it? What point? <coughs> you're not. You're not the first really price drop at the earliest. Yeah. So yeah. Not. Not. I mean, nowhere close to launch. No. Man. No. There would have to be a killer game lineup for me to be so excited to rush out and get it. I have games in my docket now. Well, plus I feel like they're probably going to do a lot of what they did with the last time they, they moved up was that they still published PS2 versions of the games. They stripped them down a little, a little bit, yeah. But you could still for like for years. Yeah, you're getting you could, Call of Duty Ghosts on still PS3 and stuff. Yeah, for yeah. for years because they 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 couldn't sacrifice that part of the market, especially because. Everyone had a PS2. Yeah. So and we don't know the price point of these beasts yet, right? No, these are some pretty hardcore machines. With, yeah, that was the big I think problem both are going to come out pretty high. Yeah, I think they do. They I think, I wouldn't think, surprise me. I hope they both learn from the effect of what happened last time: is that you can't price too high because then no the market one, won't bear it. No, yeah. no one will care. And the Wii U's already on the on the on the ground, and they can be like, "Oh yeah, we're going to lower our price because they have a year in advance." Like they have the. Yeah, I just think it's. It'd be interesting to see what the price points are. Obviously, no one wants to say what their price is. Because no one wants no. to tip their hand first. They'll, they'll announce them both at E3, I'm sure. You think so? Yeah. I'm excited for that. I I, I know Leon's like, I'm going to get one right away. I, I'm probably at least two years away. Yeah. I cannot conceive of, an, of a reason. Getting a PS3 made sense for me. I was getting a Blu-ray player. That was a big incentive. True. What's the incentive of getting the PS4 for me? Right now, there isn't anything. Uh, especially when I can continue to get games going yeah. forward not well, all of them but most well, of them well you know Xbox again no backwards compatibility at all really? zero 
What the hell is wrong with these yeah. people? Uh, well, it has been good to be confirmed for Sony. But they, they see yeah. Xbox went on to give you all the bad news up front. Sony is still kind of in the shadows for some of this stuff. So I don't know if they're waiting for Xbox to tip their hand and make them the bad guys. So that way, when Sony does it, they're not as bad because yeah. Xbox announced it first. There's no backwards compatibility. They're doing licensing for games. So you play your game, it scans on your system. I can't borrow it afterwards and play really? it at my house, right? That's unfortunate. Um, so, like, I know they're trying on their end to try and slow down the secondary market because they're making no money when the used game is sold, blah, 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 blah. But maybe find a new way to, to work that out with your retailers or something. I don't know. I don't know if hosing us as a consumer is the answer. Yeah. I'd love to be able to own a game, try it, and if you have it, kind of borrow it from I, you. If, this sounds stupid, but like, lower the damn prices of the games. I'll buy more. Like, Well, games eventually get lower anyways, right? I very yeah, rarely buy a game brand new. But slowly. You give, well, it slowly. depends on the game. Most games in a year, they're down. Yeah. To at least thirty nine, right? Yeah. So, but my question is, like, how does it, like the store the store buys them, and then can the store return the games? Like, how, I actually don't know how the market works. I'm, I, I admit, I'm a little bit dumb here know. because, like, in the magazine market, I know how that works. I buy the magazines from you, so yeah. you, I give the distributor money, then I sell them, right? So I, I've already paid for them. I, they're my product. I now own them in the store. I can then send my returns back to the distributor. Okay. So I guess to send it back to the original company so that they don't make money on those at, at the back end basically so there's re- like a reimbursement but does that ever happen with video games or you just I'm an EB I purchase the games isn't the develop like the, the publisher of the game already got my money like they've already gotten money now it's the store's problem it's kind of like if I'm running a comic book store I buy a comic there's no returns on DC New 52 at the very beginning there were but now there's no returns so I buy you know 50 issues of JLA I put I own it now. I yeah. and then I put them on for sale. The Marvel, uh, sorry, DC's already made the money. Yeah, there's nothing left to no. make. I, no. I've already so I, I I don't understand how they're really being affected that badly. They've already sold tons of games. They just want in on that on that piece of pie for being greedy. There's not much in that piece of pie. You know why? Because EB gives gives you five dollars off. And it's like, but it's been six months. How could it just be five dollars off for this used version? I know, and they don't, even, they don't give you that much when you first bring it in either. No, it's ridiculous. Anyway, thank you for joining us for uh, episode. Uh, well, it doesn't matter what number it is, but it's a uh, it's it's a comic talk episode. That's it's what matters. 82, isn't it? It's eighty two. I at the, at the beginning of the episode, I wasn't sure if it was going to be eighty two, but now I've okay. decided it's definitely eighty two. Uh, so, Paul, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, Always a pleasure. And uh, if uh, those out there want to email us, you can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, or you can post on our HC Realms threads where we post these episodes. Uh, again, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll be sure to see you next time uh, on Comic Shenanigans. Bye-bye. Peace out.